If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The blubbity bar. Sending out good vibes. Just call that computer the larger consciousness system, right? So you get this data stream, and the data stream tends to be things that will help you grow up, things that will help you see bigger pictures. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grammarica Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with one and only Tom Campbell a little bit later. Um, simulated reality virtual reality all that fun stuff that he's all over is toe theory theory of everything um so yeah we went we actually almost had tom on a couple of years ago but it fell through our good buddy friend of the show justin who does a newsletter which you should sign up for sign up for grandamerica.ca slash news um actually had to phone him because we couldn't find any contact info but we finally tracked him down so number 298 or 99 98 i think is gonna be tom campbell so enjoy. It's a great chat. First, before we do our intro shit, we got the one and only Graham um, Hungry Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Are you going to be grumpy all intro? No, I'll be fine. I got to talk about my weekend of camping with the C-SETI crowd, so that, I'm excited about that. And I'm happy to be the, here. Happy to be here doing this. an intro for Tom Campbell. You can't, don't skip this one. Right, you can no, skip the you intro. You can skip the intro. But you shouldn't, but you can. There's a timestamp in the show notes, and there's also like probably a fast forward, uh, what do you call that? Like a spot where you can just fast forward yes. it if you're in podcast. I got like four in a row. Is that something you can say? Uh, if you're in podcast, that'd be. What? If you're in podcast, like if you're listening to it via you're, podcast. Is it, what? I don't no, understand. You've lost it. Sounds weird. Yeah, it sounds yeah. super weird. Graham in podcast unlock. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So what you got, buddy? You want to jump right into your C-SETI stuff? You seem pretty excited. Well, I am excited, but, uh, you know, we got to talk about uh, other stuff as well. Like, do you want to jump into that? Yeah. Let's okay, hang, hang on, hang on. Let me, let me just say a quick, a quick listener email about that. Let's, let's do that first. Like, not really about that, but just a real short one here. And it's actually, you know, dude, we got to send out some good vibes for some fires happening as well. Fires? Yeah. Did I play the rain stick? I can't play the rain stick. I can't steal that g- gimmick. What? You sure you can. Okay. You can do the rain stick. But it's Adam and John's thing. You're a certified rain stickishin too. There you go. I, we're just not, it's not, ah! I didn't even you, tell you, you where think it was I for you. It? I don't, it doesn't matter. It's going to fucking rain everywhere. Hey, guys, big thanks and praise to you guys. Hello from the land of a million acres of dead trees, Mariposa, California. I just wanted to say how much your show means to me. I listen all the time while I work. I have a delivery job that allows us to end our route driving through one of the most magnificent, magnificent, 
natural wonders on the planet, Yosemite National Park. Working hours at night or night, working hours are night, and yeah, I have seen some shit. Flash bulbs going off, pow, pow. Seriously, many sightings of solid lights making moves not possible by known aircraft that I've seen. Speaking of aircraft, currently there are VLAT, very large air tankers, flying over and trying to put this fire out. Please send good vibes and protection for the firefighters risking their lives to save others. Much love and blah 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 from Mid Pines Mania. P.S. Sending greenback support soon before they go away. We should get the greenbacks back. Funded without the central banking and Federal Reserve. We are? Oh, to get green, real greenbacks? Forget it. You're, you're Greenbacks. Yeah, yeah. Greenbacks. Yeah. I was checking the social uh, media. Yeah, you bro. can send them to the PO box. We do have that. Spot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thanks for the email, and we'll yeah, we just sent you some rain stick uh, action. action. Hope it helps. Hopefully it helps. And if you need more rain stick, let us know. It's a little late. This was sent a few days ago, but yeah, our thoughts and <coughs> those things prayers can are with come you. out of nowhere. Yeah. Fuck off with your thoughts and prayers. We don't play that shit. Love and light, all that. Good stuff. vibes, you fucking. Come on, oh, good geez. vibes. All right. Okay, there we go. Dude, should I have played the good vibes? <laughs> we had the new moon, dark sky. It was no, great. This is fine. <laughs> I planned camping, pitched a tent, went back there for the night. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's it. Turn off. Darkest night. So I did that meditation. Did the singing bowl. Pow. And shit starts happening. Pow, pow, pow. Oh. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. We started seeing flash bulbs. Come on. Streakers oh, no, coming down. Good. Grim them up. Okay, okay. Like, you know what I was actually doing when you put me on the spot? Just make a version that takes out my last name. It feels weird. I say Graham Dunlop every intro. Every intro. That's how I start. I know, the show. but it's in the, in that oh. jingle form that failed me. You know what I was doing and... when you put me on the spot like an asshole? Checking social media. No, I was sending fucking Billy Bong the. Zoom way. Like, okay, well, I don't care what you're doing. And then I forgot to do it. Now he's mad at me. Okay. <clears throat> so, you want to hear about it? I can't wait. You said you were going to message me if it was good. So we Well, could... I knew you were busy playing ball all weekend, right. so I didn't. I wouldn't answer. Yeah. Plus, service was sketchy. It was in and out, so. Well, let's hear it. Well, we, we met camping, and I got there late Friday night or whatever. I smell and we a just new jingle coming. <laughs> pitched my tent. Pitched my tent. And uh, we're all just a great bunch of people. I mean, lots of people I'd known already. Um, so good to see them again. And then we had Charles come from Edmonton, who runs a C-City group up there. He has lots of sightings of stuff up there as well. Uh, he's a native. He did a little... India. He did a little... Uh, what? I'm not allowed to say native? Or am I... Prefer Indian. Really? Yeah. Who, you or in general? I think in general. Really? Yeah. I can say that? Okay. You can say it on the show anyway. Okay. So anyways, it was great. So we got all together. So we, you know, we kind of, how do I, okay. So Corinne's there taking pictures of, I brought my old digital camera. Mm -hmm. She said, it's easier to catch orbs on old digital cameras. So I found my old like 2002 digital camera. (laughs) And it doesn't work for me. I can't catch them. But she's catching orbs. She's going around at dusk. Dusk is the best time. Some people have the gift. I know. It's crazy. It's weird. Some and even, have shitty cameras. and even, I mean, I don't know if I should even talk about these details on the show, but so I, I'll, I'll, maybe I shouldn't name names, but one don't of the guys was it. talking about his, actually he's been on our show before. So, but anyway, he was talking about don't his name new, just give out he's, he's, clues. He's, he's, he's with a new master and he's checking out and he's kind of, this master joins him as a spirit guide. She takes a picture over his head. There's a fucking huge orb there. 
Wow. Yeah. And then she was taking pictures in the trees and like she's getting this these uh these Jesus angelic Christ. these angelic type uh type orbs as well. Like so I'm looking forward to those pics they're gonna be sent. Speaking. Yeah. And then um we're gonna uh so we get into the circle and we're doing intentions of the night and stuff like that. And, and, uh, well, before we start that, Charles starts smudging us, right? Going around the circle and smudging us. And as soon as he started, we heard this banging from miles away. Like, no, this like almost drums. And we're all thinking, what is that? Like there was a, a group of Russians camping a little ways away, like a whole bunch of them, like 80 of them or whatever, oh, boy. singing karaoke and stuff at some point. In so, Russian? Yeah, Totally. But it wasn't coming from them, because uh, I thought maybe fireworks, drumming, it wasn't really rhythmic, sounded like it was coming, it wasn't thunder, because there was some, you know, thunder coming and going at some point. Starts up, and we're all looking around like, what is that? So he smudges everybody, goes around the circle. As soon as he stops, the sound stops. And of course, we all notice it, and we're like, that's pretty weird. So then we go around with the intentions. And I wasn't going to say my intention aloud, but I decided to say it, and as soon as I started my intention i see a, a, a ufo, UFO there. yeah it's like a fast walker kind of but it's it's a little brighter and i'm pointing to it and that my intention was going to be that we see something that we can share with everybody and uh one of the guys says that's gonna it's probably gonna flash and as soon as he says flash pow flashes <sighs> and we're all like wow you know <laughs> <laughs> i could just picture it so that was just the start. And it was an awesome night. And we saw low flyers coming through. What's a low silent, flyer? Low flyer is a silent, w- bright light, like 10, 20 times brighter than the nearest 20 star. 20 times brighter than the just nearest wait, star. Just wait. It's, I would in, take it easy. In, it's pretty low. Like it's like half the, half the height of like, let's say air traffic, normal air traffic. Okay. So like and it's dancing, kind of silently dancing through. And it's in our sight for like minutes as we watch it slowly seems like observe us like a scout ship or something very similar to the other one we saw um that la- remember the last time that i went but where the jingle was made from the jingle was made mm-hmm. from that night where we saw low flyers as well what else you got and then we what moved else? to the beach we saw another low flyer at the beach out over the water and then the russians came by swimming in the middle of the night skinny <laughs> like not skinny dipping but swimming in the middle of the night it's pretty funny nice. we crashed our party your party yeah were you guys embarrassed? The second night we were all sitting silently at the beach in our semicircle, and these Russians come by with fireworks. Sorry, can we? And we're like, they're probably wondering, what are these people doing? Just <laughs> silently sitting. At the what beach? the fuck? We're like, can we shoot some fireworks off? Sorry, we don't want to ruin your night. They're the nicest. The Russians there were the nicest people. Because um, they're trying and they to shot a bunch you. of fireworks off. So, and then we had a sighting over the water. We were talking about a USO. And there was one at the edge of the water, blinking and uh, shining the light, and a couple of us saw that. Wow! Another low flyer, a bunch of uh, bunch of flash bulbs. Any pics? Uh, no, not pics. Like, you can't really take pics of flash no. bulbs. I mean, you yeah. can't. And and then uh, the low flyers are just going to look like lights in the sky. Like you know, it's it's not the same if you're not there. But and I'm not allowed to capture it over. Well, one day, yeah, one day. Huh. Till then, just take your word for it. Yeah, right. Who decides when Darren is ready? Grab Darren. This. I'll leave it up to Darren. You I'm ready. Cut? Are you? Yeah. Okay. Maybe next month when we go. I'm maybe busy. we go out on our own. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we start slow. 
baby steps. All right. All right, we can welcome to the show Mr. Billy Ball. Hey, buddy. I'm not sure he can hear us. Yeah, I don't think he can. Hey, Graham, what's he went that whole time without Anyways, being able to hear uh, smudging is like a cleansing with uh, sage. You know, it goes over and he oh. had a like a feather. It's a kind yeah, of a yeah. ritual, ritual yeah, yeah. type thing. And, and then we had Jess didgeridoos and uh, and singing bowls and all kinds of stuff like oh, that going on. Fuck, as well. I should go get my didgeridoo. And, I'm, I'm fucking good at are it. Are you now. getting better at it? Yeah. yeah, I'll grab it. The second night we did a didgeridoo smudging, sort of like wow. Um, yeah, one of the ladies there did that. So we got. Are we call? What are we calling you? I'd prefer if you guys called me Billy. Billy. So. That's the Seaside Adventure, and we have Billy on the line here, friend of the show. Adventure? The Seaside Adventure? Yeah. So it was a meeting of two Seaside groups? Uh, well, kind of, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Emerging. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm missing out some, some important part of it. So I'll probably, I'll probably remember something. There's more Interject. to it. More to it than that. But anyways. Remind I, me next good, week, good and I'll bring the didgeridoo out. Okay. Welcome aboard, Billy. Thanks for having me. If that's your real name, your mic is hot as a motherfucker. I apologize. That's no okay. one helped me set this up. That sounds good there. So All welcome right. to America, Billy. Thank Plus you. we've met a couple of times. Yes, we have. Contact you guys at good the people? cabin. We're okay. I'm okay, Grams is questionable. Yeah. <clears throat> So what brings you here tonight? What would you like to share with us? Big news? Well, I would like I would like to uh, announce my podcast uh, officially here on the Grimerica Show. Thank nice. you. Uh, it's called A Walk Through the Mind. A Walk Through the Mind. Is it live now? Uh, it might as well be live. I'm going to use, I'm using you guys as the, this is, I'm making it official. Sweet. With you guys. So you'll have to have an episode out by Friday. Uh, I've already got three in the book uh, because they're they're rather on the short side. But uh, that way everybody can get at least an idea of what I'm doing. I take a couple minutes out of my day and try and talk about at least an idea and see what thoughts I can produce on it. And... And then let you guys and you or whoever decides to listen take that and probably apply that somewhere else uh, in a different conversation elsewhere. Like a thought for the day. Like a different view on stuff, kind of? Maybe? Uh, I, I would like it to be a, uh, a unique thought, but there's, there's a good chance that it's going to be a similar thought that someone else has already had. But uh, it, maybe, maybe I have... Uh, a different idea that someone else hasn't taken the time to look at from that angle. Do you have um, the URL or anything like that? You'll have to email us the link so we can put it in the show notes. Uh, I haven't, I'm having trouble getting the RSS feed working, but uh, you can go to the website, Billy Bones, B-I-L-L-Y-B-O-N-3-S. That's the number three. And there's a RSS feed link right there and you can go down click on that and it'll pop open in your your podcatcher and uh all the episodes that are current released are available and the next one will be available uh, a week from friday is that dot com 
Yes, dot com. My apologies. So how often do you plan on doing it? Uh, I'm hoping for a, a once a week uh, release. I've got a couple in the bank waiting to, to get out. Uh, my first first three are, uh, I forget what the second one is. I got uh, climate change as a topic, Ooh, nice. uh, electric car versus gas car. And uh, I don't, I can't remember the third one off the top of my head right now, but it's just an attempt. Must like I said, it's, it's an attempt to, uh, like I said, just try and look at everything. I'm, I'm assuming the Grimerica crowd will, will have an, uh, an appreciation or an understanding from where I'm coming from on certain things. But then again, maybe, like I said, uh, I sparked just a, a new thought, a new, a new angle from attacking an idea. I can't wait to listen. Are you going to have any friends on, like uh, a certain someone with a white hair uh, close, close by? it. Might, uh, uh, might be like yeah. a guest every once in a while. Like he must be itching to get his voice out there. And Not Cy- as much Cyrus. as you would think, Cyrus. Uh, Cyrus I would love to Cyrus. have him on the on the show every now and again, but life is busy. Uh, this uh, my podcast is just me chatting into the microphone. Uh, I can I have a hard enough time scheduling stuff for everybody else, so I can't making time to schedule an interview with people. But at some point in time, I do hope to have people on, uh, just to even throw ideas around amongst ourselves. So that way we can, uh, again, hash out these ideas and, and put something else out there like you guys are doing. Yeah, well, you and Cyrus would make a good team to, ju- to get together every once in a while, you know, switch it up a bit. Wrestle. Wrestle out some ideas. I've been to Billy's house, actually. Nice spot. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming out. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, fuck, I might come again next summer. Come through. Good times, man. It's a nice drive. Nice drive. So, um, what was the show called again? Let everyone know what the show called again. A Walk Through the Mind. Oh. And BillyBones.com. B-I-L-L-Y-B-O-N-3-S.com. I like it. It's the number three. Nice. I'm going to listen to one tomorrow. Good times, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm listen to, listen to more than one. <laughs> I'll see how much time. short. How long is short? Uh, I aim for between 15 and 30 minutes. I recorded one yesterday that popped in at a whole 12 minutes. Ooh, that is nice. That's like yeah. one drive. So do you just get inspiration and then do it like on almost spontaneously, or do you have a whole bunch of topics planned out? Do you think? Uh, with my job, I'm able to listen to podcasts all day, oh, and it's almost, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I've got something to say, but no one's there to listen, and so, and there's there's topics that are uh, across multiple platforms. I listen to many many different types of people, uh, and I for I get to form my own opinions like everybody else does. And I've just figured that I figure I can throw in my two pennies into the into the giant field of pennies, the giant uh, wishing well, and see what everybody else has to say about that. Awesome. So I've got yeah I've, I've got notes galore written around as far as ideas that I want to cover. I've got a uh, handful of ones that have I really want to discuss, but I haven't 
I'm still learning. I'm still getting this talking into the microphone stuff going. Yeah. It's a, it's an uphill battle on that one, but I'm getting there and it should be a fun time. It should be a good time getting this all set up. Right on buddy. Yeah, that's good. Well, you're doing a good job so far. It gets easier. Yeah, it does. Becomes just second nature after a while. Just go for it. Yeah, man. Check yeah, you it guys out. Definitely make it easy. Yeah, well, when you work with a guy this good, it's, you know. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, bulletproof. So uh, you might as well stick around. Yeah, you, you stick, stick around, around for, for the rest, rest of the, of the intro? intro? Uh, sure, thank you. <laughs> what do you got right. for me, brother? Uh, we got a uh, special note before we forget. Do you want to get into that Let's right get now? into that before, because you know what happens? I I miss stuff on intros all the time. I have a little list here, and I just we just get all absorbed in it, and then I get home and i'm like oh my god i forgot to talk about this and i forgot to talk about that so let's just get into this right now so do we have to preface this with anything or do a little intro to this uh, ourselves here one sec here let me get this ready well i don't know yeah preface it well we have a special note from a listener of ours to another listener and we want to share this with everybody is that what would you like to say anything else about it I think that about sums it up. It's the first time we did this, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, should be uh, a good one. Billy, you have to know what. Let us know what you think. All right. Okay. Here goes. Okay. Great America. Whoops! I'll start. Oh shit! Oh, good job. We do this oh. on the fly. Let's try this again. Yeah, we do. We this. We do this on the fly. Okay, that was a teaser. We have no how. That was a teaser. Yeah, you excited? Yeah. Now let's change the subject for a little bit. <laughs> Thank you, Great America. Hey, baby. It's me, Meredith. You are probably wondering what I am doing here. Well, I'm here to show you how much you are loved. Now, I figured I could make you super uncomfortable and do a big public thing, or I could come on your favorite show and let you know how much you are understood. For the last two and a half years, you have made my life more wonderful than I ever thought possible. You make me better in every conceivable way. From the laughs that make us wheeze to the deep conversations that keep us up away past our bedtime to just laying quietly next to one another. We are better together and I want to spend the rest of my days with you. I know everything I'm saying sounds incredibly cliche. But I'm pretty sure it's impossible not to when you're so in love. So I'm going to jump right to it. I have a question for you. Will you, Stevie Hills, <laughs> make me the happiest woman in the world and marry me? Wow. Ooh, Stevie <laughs> Hills. <laughs> what do you think he said? Yeah. Think so? Oh yeah, yeah, I think 100%. so. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that sounds like true love to me. Then go back. They listen to the same. Po- would understand what's going on. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. If it's on the podcast, <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, so you understand them. Yeah, exactly. We're happy to be your favorite show. Happy to be a part of your uh, this special moment in your guys' life. Hopefully, you said yes. And uh, we'll send Graham up to the wedding, do a speech. I thought we were going to have to do a little proposal for it. I didn't realize it was like an audio version. I was thinking of funny things to say, but it's a good thing we didn't have to go that road. Yeah, no kidding, because then we could be literally responsible for the response. (laughs) I'm good. What do you think he'll say, Billy? I think he'll say, yeah. Uh, 
it's a good thing for Graham that uh, you guys didn't have to do it all by yourselves. It'd be kind of awkward getting down on your knee. That doesn't transfer well. No, to I was going to make some well. pretty bad jokes too about oh, Jesus. And stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, do we know for sure that it was a he? Yes. Okay. Just checking. So hopefully maybe that's Meredith Hill. Yeah. Or Hillza. Hillza. Yeah. So let us know. Uh, let us yeah, know the verdict. We back. need to know. Yeah. But it's going to be weird if it was no. Yeah. So don't make it weird, Stevie. <laughs> I so, thought she was going to say Stevie Weavy. <laughs> Are you getting married yet, Billy? Uh, not in the near future. Okay. What uh, What else you got? Well, we should transition that into uh, some PayPal too. feedback. Or are you get the PayPal feedback we about should, right? how we, we ask for beg for money no, too much? No, 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 oh. that's different. That's uh, coming after this. <clears throat> did I forward you that email to read? Yeah, you did. Do you want me to read it then? Yeah, let me go with the. <laughs> and now another edition of the Grime American Goodies <laughs> by the people. <laughs> you look confused. So, hey, Darren. Well, because this is from Darren. Darren, so. If PayPal, if if your PayPal goes away or if you get disconnected, Darren sends a note saying, thanks for all your support. Sorry to see you go. I started doing that because so many people. So many people didn't realize that they're getting shut off by PayPal. So here's a note just describing it. Hey, Darren, uh, but didn't go anywhere. Fucking PayPal just cut me off, said you guys cancel my payments. I can't even log on to PayPal right now. I'll get into it tomorrow. I'll get onto it tomorrow. It's almost midnight here in Melbourne. I'll increase my donation as well. Keep on making people happy. You guys are fantastic. Regards, Paul. So thanks so much for the note. And we have heard this quite a bit. And I don't know really how to fix it. Besides, uh, if you get the email from us, then obviously that means that it's if, the, if there's a mistake, then um, you can go to Patreon or you can also try PayPal again, I guess, um, if you want to support the show. Yeah, I don't know when they're dropping off or how they're dropping off, but we never cancel them. So it doesn't hurt to go check your subscription and make sure you're still there. Like I said, I, do, I have been setting the, I try and send that email out every time, but I just started doing that recently. And I think we've had, you know, significant amount of people cancel. It's a few a month that payments are canceled for one reason or another. Yeah. And that's and pretty scary when PayPal said, actually says that. Like, I can't believe they get away with that. Well, the other thing to think is that some people get a new card. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, and, and yeah. that uh, they forget about their PayPal, yeah, and that kills it. Like that when I had one today that said he'll be re-signing up. He just lost his card and is waiting for his new one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You guys do an amazing job. It's a huge lift up every time I listen to a new episode. Been having some crazy dreams about floods and such. Ooh. Ring any bells? Flood dreams doesn't ring, ring any you bells mean, like, for from me. From the ten thousand year old flood, or ring I don't any think bells so. from like no, just in general. Noah. Noah's flood? Or just I don't think so. I'm Calgary assuming flood? he's referring to the fucking the flood show. Calgary? Oh, the, oh, the flood of feedback? Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> just grasping at all those shows. So speaking of feedback and flood of support, the, the flood of begging on the, Twitter. The flood Darren, of lack of support. No, talk about your Twitter one. The Which one? From Twitter. Oh, the, that wasn't Twitter. That was a review on fucking oh, was iTunes. It? Oh, yeah. okay. Here, let me dig it up. Okay. Yeah, we do like to get reviews on iTunes. Obviously, that's a huge way to help 
the show, I'm sure there's algorithms and stuff like that. We we prefer five star reviews, but we'll take the odd one star. Was this a one star? This one. Uh, two star. Oh yeah. <laughs> so at least he didn't give us one star. It's from uh, the Goon Show. Two stars. Too much bagging. I left the show for the constant bagging on Twitter. I wonder if that's Jerry on Twitter. So this that podcast got- is the bomb, and I mean that in a non-terrorist, false flag kind of way. Thanks for all your hard work. That was a Peace. good. That was a good review. That was a five yeah. star review. Then we got this other one from Kaida eighty three. Thank you for the awesome interview. I love that you guys are on a quest for knowledge along the same lines that I am. And I'm really impressed by your listening skills, which most people lack these days. So glad I found this podcast. Thank you. But the goon show is pissed about the bagging. On Twitter, because you stopped being active on Twitter. Just you, you just send out, the- <laughs> I send out the support thing every once in a while. <laughs> I've been more active on Twitter again, but. Yeah. And then wasn't there some people commenting back, like our supporters come to the rescue kind of Oh, yeah, our supporters always come to the rescue. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we got a great little fucking tribe here, cult, whatever you want to call it. It's a good, powerful... Community, maybe? Community is a better (laughs) word. Or wasn't it a hegemony? That's different. That's not the right term for that. No? No. Just on a country-by-country basis, it's hegemony? Yeah, maybe it could work. So speaking of uh, all that, support the show, guys, if you can. It really helps, and you should support the show uh, because we're hooking people up, getting them married. Those people probably have a kid. And because now we have a YouTube channel as well. Do we own rights to that kid a little bit? What? And use them in some marketing gimmicks? What kid? We definitely want wedding pictures. What kid? The kid they're going to have her? The Hills' kid. Why, why do you think they're going to have kids? Did they say that? Did she say yeah, that? I assume. I'm making assumptions here. That's a pretty bad assumption. That is bad, eh? Huh. Sorry. Sounds like don't, a need for kid-sized t-shirts. Don't have over two. We have kids don't have over t-shirts. two. Don't have more than two kids. You might be taxed extra in this, if things go the way suppose some people want them to in the States. Um, limiting the child. We have kid-sized shirts. The only ones we have in kid-sized are the ones that just say mm-hmm. Grime American on them. We gave them away, though, I think. I no, I mean on the GrimeAmerica.ca oh. swag site. Oh, okay, swag. Yeah, you can get toddler-sized shirts, all sorts of the kids' sizes in GrimeAmerican, and then there's a bunch of other shirts. Cool. GrimeAmerica.ca slash swag. So do you want to talk about Facebook and YouTube as well while we're on the whole Did social media thing? Did I give out the support thing? link? GrimeAmerica.ca slash support. Support the show because? Support the guys. They got gas. Gear acquisition syndrome. Yeah, we do. We have cords that are always crapping out. Fucking A. YouTube channel. Brody wanted us to mention that. Oh, yeah. YouTube. GrimAmerica.ca slash YouTube. Because some people don't know, and we're trying to do, we are like pretty much doing a live show every week. Every Wednesday. We try to do it Wednesday night at some time, some point. Sometimes we do doubles that night, and we try and send out a newsletter to let people know, and there's the chats to let people know, and, you know, we can interact in that, and that that audio just goes into the podcast feed, but we also have it on, you know, a lot of our guests now are on on video, and sometimes we have, like, a great presentation that we can present, or just their talking head, whatever the case may be, and then Facebook, we have a fellow helping out as well on that, thanks to Lee, Lee. our buddy Lee from the UK Posse. Getting people uh, <clears throat> interactive you know on that. I'd like to hear from our buddy Kevo too from the UK Posse. Kevin yep. Stevens, haven't heard from him in a while, haven't seen him around. Nice to know you're okay, buddy. 
So yeah, he's like the unofficial leader of the UK posse. <laughs> Does he know? So that? hopefully he's not a man overboard with your alt right antics. What? Like what have I done? Tell me. I'm not going to start fucking putting you on trial here. You know what you've done. I don't. What do you got for us, Billy? Anything else before we jump into this great chat with Tom Campbell? Nothing on the terms of alt right. Leave that to Graham. What about uh, just in general? <laughs> no, I got I got nothing to add on. Probably, other than you know, support the show because. Can you give us a take on your climate change, quick? Oh yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, the biggest push that I've got on uh, the climate change, in a nutshell, is uh, I'm not here to deny that it happens. Uh, I've been a fan of your show for a long time. I've heard uh, all the Randall Carlson episodes, and he brings one heck of a point. Climate change has happened in the past. Climate change is bound to happen in the future. Uh, But my biggest question is the push for climate change has turned into tax dollars and fees. And are the methods for applying the the taxes or instilling the laws just or are they or are they a means just to take money from us yeah or control us or or get us uh get us into a one world government situation really go global ta- well, global taxation kind of thing uh, to tie it into the gas versus electric cars which is my absolute very first episode that i ever got recorded uh there's a point where we might need uh, to reduce our ability or our reliance on gas and oil. And it doesn't necessarily have to be for climate change reasons. It could be, we could use that towards space exploration. Uh, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I hear the, the cries on the one world government. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Well, not anymore. Uh, but not anymore. That can still happen. Still happen. Hey, we're starting. We're getting taxed here because of it. So we know how real this is. I mean, we're getting carbon tax now. We have other taxes constantly getting added to our bills. I mean, whether it's our electrical stuff or gas taxes, environmental taxes. Like, if you look at these things now that we're paying, you can see all these things adding on, right? And we don't. It's not like we're making any more to cover all this stuff. It just chip, chip, chips away at our livelihood, really. For what? Because, yeah. you know, because the money's going to go to some, you know, organization that doesn't even use it in the right way. Or it's, yeah, or it's, the, for, or it's for a fake cause. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. There, and you're not and gonna You'll comment. get a kick out of this one, Graham. I'm the in government the... <laughs> and their taxes. You'll get a kick out of this, Graham. I'm in the greater Seattle area, and there is a... Uh, it's a pollution tax is how they've decided to phrase it. We call and, it carbon tax here. Well, it started off as a carbon tax and apparently that's not what they're going to tax us on. So legally they had to change the name to a pollution tax, which will only really tax the heating of homes uh, through liquid natural gas or things like that, or the fuel that you put in your car. But it makes it leaves private air jets, airplanes, uh, with no emission uh, restrictions whatsoever. 
So those things that, you know, fly around in the sky and have their own little exhaust that we down here on the ground have catalytic converters and mufflers and whatnot for Mm -hmm. to make it nice and fuel efficient. Those private air jets, there's no, there's no, uh, thing on them. Yeah. There's no regulation on them. And then you go back to your climate change guest a couple, couple shows ago and yeah. Jim Lee ties in deeply. Jim Lee. Yes. It was an awesome episode. That's right. I'll link to that in the show notes. Oh, no, he won't. Well, thanks for coming on, Billy. Thanks for joining us for this intro. If that's your real name, I don't think it is. Might not be. I know where you live. (laughs) Is it Billy Bones? Billy Bones. Billy Bones with a three for an E. Um, Nope. Yeah. Check out the show. Find the website. Yep. Fucking A. Find him on Twitter. Billy Bones. At Billy Bones. With his three. Support the show. guys. Do everything Graham has in the show notes. Most of all, enjoy this chat with Tom Campbell. Yep. got a special one for you tonight we've got tom campbell with us of my big toe and that toe being the theory of everything uh tom tom worked with bob monroe way back in the early 70s at the monroe institute most of you guys have probably heard of tom and definitely heard of the monroe institute we've had a few guests from there on already we talk about you know extended consciousness all the time and tom's been studying this for like 30 years you know focusing on the science scientifically exploring the properties boundaries and abilities of consciousness and in the meantime, he's also been a scientist as well. He's a physicist. Um, he's got a, a website, mybigtoe.com, and there's a there's an active forum on there. There's lots of information, tons of YouTube channels. It's really interesting. Tom's been been um, practicing, you know, different states of consciousness for for decades and studying it scientifically. So we're really excited to have you on here, um, Tom. It's uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, you're quite welcome. Yeah, it was. So- Go good ahead. to be here, Darren. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to finally have you on. Like I mentioned, we have we've had you know, we, I mean, man, I've listened to so many of those uh, Hemisync Monroe Institute CDs, and we've had people on. We've talked about out of body experience quite a bit, and um, so it's good to dig into it a little bit further. And the thing I didn't really mention is, uh, you know, I think a lot of this ends up coming back to one of our favorite topics, which is like the simulation theory or sort of the virtual reality aspect of our reality. But I was thinking of cha- changing up the style a little bit here tonight. And and if, if you don't mind, instead of going like all the way through your background, which is, you know, we could spend probably a half hour just going through that. 
I was thinking we could probably naturally go back there through the show if, if we start with what's kind of new and what's going on with uh, some of that stuff. Because a lot of our listeners would have heard of you. They would have heard of uh, your work in the Monroe Institute. And maybe we can end up naturally sort of filling in your backstory a little bit as we go along, but maybe start with sort of some of the latest stuff. Yep, that's fine. Um, well, if we want to start uh, in the present, <clears throat> then uh, and we'll I guess the thing... That's uh, the hottest topic right now for uh, for me and my work is that um, I just had a um, a fundraiser okay, mm-hmm. from Kit with Kickstart yep. and raised about 230k in order to do a set of physics experiments, mostly uh, quantum mechanics experiments, <clears throat> that will help uh, uh, validate the model that I have. Nice or not, you know that's the way experiments work. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <clears throat> what happened is, is that as uh, I developed over the 35 years or so, you mentioned uh, I developed a theory of consciousness. And then maybe two or three, four years after I published this theory of consciousness, and of course I call it a theory of everything because I knew consciousness was fundamental. Yep. Everything else is a subset of consciousness. So it was a theory of everything being a theory of consciousness. But I didn't really know the details of how this theory of consciousness should, say, um, derive quantum mechanics or relativity or, you know, the rest of physics. But I knew that there must be a connection there. But a couple of years after I got it published, I got the aha moment when I realized, you know, exactly what the connection was. And I realized I understood quantum mechanics now from the perspective of a virtual reality. And my model is based on this this reality that we call our physical universe being a virtual reality. So once I understood that, I, I um, started looking for other things that are big unknowns in physics. And of course, the, the next big unknown, other than why quantum mechanics works the way it does, is uh, why is the speed of light a constant? That's the fundamental assumption underneath all of relativity theory. Um, relativity is just built on that fact. If you take that away, then relativity theory disappears. So um, no one really understands in physics why speed of light ought to be a constant. You know, why can't you have a, a, a flashlight going very fast and then have it send out a light and wouldn't the, you know, wouldn't the speed of that light be the sum of the two? Yeah. No, it just uh, doesn't matter which direction that's, that flashlight's going, it just doesn't matter. It always comes out C. Well, it didn't take me but a few days to figure out uh, from a virtual reality viewpoint, why C absolutely has to be a constant. So then I started looking at the other, uh, um, we call them uh, uh, paradoxes in physics, and also in neuroscience and uh, uh, some in, uh, in uh, uh, metaphysics as well. And sure enough, with that understanding, I could solve all these problems. So then I started uh, looking at quantum mechanics a little more thoroughly started looking at some experiments that, uh, according to my theory, things should work a certain way, and there weren't any experiments to see whether it would or not. So I'm kind of stuck there until I get an experiment done. But if you don't have a few hundred K in your pocket, getting a big-name physics department to go do experiments for you is a real hard thing to do. So we just did the kickstart. We got some money. And now we are going to get these experiments done, probably uh, within a year. We should have them done. Right now, we're in the phase of uh, searching for somebody 
uh, competent to do the work, somebody both competent and willing to do the work. So that's kind of the big thing now. Um, there's a set of five experiments, and uh, within those five, there's some subset of other experiments. But what they will do is provide evidence for this being a virtual reality. Uh, that is a reality that's information-based okay? uh, or a simulation. You could call it a simulated reality. And they will also provide evidence for consciousness being the computer. Hmm. So a virtual reality needs a source, needs a computer. So uh, now we don't use the word prove in science much anymore. We kind of let that go after Newton ended up with egg all over his face from Newton's laws, which turned out not to be laws at all, but just um, you know, approximations within certain realms of, uh, of interaction. So uh, science now talks about evidence, and these experiments should lend some strong evidence to the idea that we're living in a virtual reality and that consciousness is the computer. Now, that's a very different viewpoint of virtual reality than what you're going to get from the Elon Musk crowd, which is really based on, um, let's see, the Englishman uh, Nick Bostrom. Yeah. Nick Bostrom about, a, oh, I don't know, a decade and a half ago, around 2000, Nick Bostrom wrote a, a paper talking about logically, <coughs> it seemed like a, a, a very uh, positive probability that we were living in a virtual reality, but it was all logic-based. And uh, once he said that, a lot of people tended to agree with him because it was logical. But this idea of, well, if that's the case, then how is it that this could be a virtual reality? Where's the computer? Who, you know, what could be computing it? And because everybody pretty much is a materialist at heart, even if they don't think so, because we just, you know, you breathe the air and you uh, live in this space, in this culture. Yeah, you, you, feel, you, feel, you feel the table, which is hard, but it's really yeah. just, you know, yeah. empty space. and <laughs> we, just can't help but, we can't help but absorb that idea that this is a materialistic place. So their idea was that there must be some future humans that are engaging in some nostalgia creating this, uh, this uh, virtual reality. But that fails logically on a couple of points. So don't, I'm just telling your listeners, don't confuse that kind of virtual reality with what I'm talking about, which is really a, a uh, <coughs> kind of a top-down approach to um, deriving everything. Uh, not only science and quantum mechanics and relativity, but also um, metaphysics, also philosophy, also theology. It seems that it all comes out of this idea of consciousness. So that's kind of where I am. It's an exciting time for me because these experiments will do one of two things. They'll either show that the ideas I have now are correct, or they'll show they're not correct and I need to work on some other ideas that, uh, you know, that are better. But, you know, that's how science works. You get to a point where you don't know, well, is this idea I have right or not? Well, it's hard to tell. Yes, you do an experiment. And if you can, do an ex if you can put it into physical terms where an experiment will, will uh, tell you whether it's right or not, then you can move on. So that's where I am, kind of in that stuck place as far as uh, deriving quantum mechanics. And I need these experiments to unstick me, whether they tell me I'm right or wrong isn't so much the issue as I'll get going again. If it's right, then I'll, I'll expand. If it's wrong, I'll, I'll look for a different uh, viewpoint.
Can you get into so, those experiments uh, experiences a little bit uh, a little bit deeper? Like, sure, experiments. They are uh, mostly of the of the uh, double slit variety, which is a real good uh, experiment for this sort of thing to uh, to use. Um, the double slit experiment was really the the birthplace of quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. It was that experiment that showed everybody that uh, reality really was not material. It was not, um, you know, it, it could not be computed with material um, uh, properties that electrons and photons and all the other tons, all the particles really weren't particles at all. Rather, they're probability distributions. <laughs> and that was what quantum mechanics, you know, told us if you want to calculate the right answer then you start with the assumption that particles aren't particles that they are probability distributions and that then will allow you to calculate answers that actually are verifiable with experiment so that's been the big mystery and scientists had two ways to go there they could have said well that's really interesting therefore uh, we must not really understand reality very well because unless we look at particles as probability distributions, we can't get right answers. Or they could have gone another way, which says, oh, materialism is great, and we understand reality just well. This is just weird science. And nobody can understand this, and nobody ever will understand this weird science. That's just life. Get used to it. You know, quantum mechanics is weird, and it'll always be that way. So unfortunately... The original scientists that uh, developed quantum mechanics, they were in the first group. They were very excited. They had found something fundamentally new in reality. And about 20 or 30 years later, when nobody could come up with any good ideas for an alternative, um, it started. the tide started to turn the other way. Quantum mechanics just became known as weird science, and, and scientists went on, rather than looking for a new, a new perspective in which uh, quantum mechanics made good logical sense. So these experiments are um, uh, double slit experiments, variations. Uh, Richard Feynman, um, I won't quote because to quote you have to be exact, but it's very close to what he said, and that is the double slit experiments holds the secrets of quantum mechanics. Everything that we don't really understand about quantum mechanics and makes it weird science it's right there in the double slit experiment. If we could understand that, we'd understand it all. So that's what makes the double slit a really good thing. Now, what I've done with these, if if my predictions, and these are just, I'm taking the theory I have at the present time and then saying how these experiments should come out and why. And two or three of them are rather remarkable. One of them allows the experimenter to determine how a radioactive source is going to decay. Now, that should be impossible, you see. Now, what it does is that it, it lets the experimenter, well, let me back up. Let's say we have a radioactive source, and we put a Geiger counter around one hemisphere of it, around half of it, and we put a Geiger counter around the other half of it, which means that wherever this particle shoots off, which should be random, when the particles decay, the uh, you know, when a big atom decays to something smaller, energy's let go, a radioactive particle flies off, and it flies off in some random direction. That's the way the world works. So it'll either hit the one hemisphere, or it'll hit the other. 
That's the way you make a yes, no, or a binary uh, random number generator. You see, that's mm -hmm. how you get random numbers in a in a like a one zero. You use um, uh, radioactive particles to do that. So we'll have one of those things, and the experimenter will be able to say, next particle that comes off will be, you know, in the left hemisphere, and the next one will be in the left again, and the next one will be in the right, and so on. It'll be able to predict how that decays, which is patently impossible, unless, of course, it's a calculated virtual reality, and there is an intelligent source. What's Another one we do that is... Is he, Go is, is he going to, is he going to, what if he affects that by predicting it? Well, this experiment, he'll be able to predict it. So that's the point. He'll do the experiment. That experiment will allow him to make these predictions and then see whether or not his predictions are correct. If they are, it tells us that something very strange about reality because that shouldn't be allowed. It shouldn't be able to be done. So that's the point. You set up an experiment where the experiment does something that is impossible, which is what the original double slit did. It did something that was impossible. Yeah. It let people throw particles at two slits, and for no reason that anybody understands, these particles distribute themselves in a diffraction pattern on a screen. There's no forces on them, nothing to make them move or rearrange themselves, but they just do that anyway, and that's what makes it a weird science. But they only do that when nobody collects the which way data, which is which slit did it go through of the two slits. So that was something that was impossible, and it did it. And when you do things with an experiment that are impossible, what that tells you is you don't really understand, you know, the nature of your reality. Obviously, it is possible because it just happened. You just don't understand. You don't have the right perspective to see why it's not only possible, but it's necessary. It has to be that way. So that's one of my experiments that um, it's kind of does something impossible. Another one uh, allows the experimenter to to uh, predict, to accurately predict uh, whether or not a photon will transmit or reflect at a beam splitter. Now, there should be a 50-50 chance, and it should be impossible because that's just the nature of this device. It's the way it's constructed. That's what it does. Half the time it reflects, the other half the time it transmits. And to be able to predict which is which, again, is a, is a miracle. It's one of those things that should be impossible. So, again, doing the impossible means that you're pointing out something that we don't understand about the nature of reality. And these two things, um, not only will they, they lend a lot of evidence to a virtual reality because they can both be explained very easily with a virtual reality. <clears throat> but they also will lend some evidence to consciousness as the computer because they they can be done with consciousness in the loop, changing uh, the experiment as you go, and you'll see that the pattern will, will change relative to the way the experimenter changes. So it connects it to consciousness. Now, that's just if these experiments work this way. <clears throat> they may not. If not, then I'm back at the drawing boards. It's a little difficult to come up with a physical experiment that verifies something that's fundamentally non-physical. You see, consciousness is a, is a non-physical thing. And that's just part of the, that just falls out of this reality being virtual. 
Yeah. And now I, I can just give you a little, I give your listeners just a little logic there. If you have a virtual reality, and let's take uh, The Sims for virtual reality. Okay, if you're in The Sims, if you're a character in The Sims, then the computer that computes The Sims has to be non-physical from the perspective of inside The Sims. To The Sims characters, the computer that computes The Sims has to be non-physical. In other words, the computer can't be inside the virtual reality it's computing. All right, that seems pretty obvious. It's the same thing with the consciousness. The consciousness in the Sims game is the player. The player makes all the choices for the Sims character. The Sims character is called an avatar. Okay, the consciousness cannot be inside the virtual reality. So does that mean I'm an avatar? Well, well, who do you mean by I'm? I'm a physical body. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Darren Grimes, podcaster. Exactly. That means your physical body is an avatar and that the choices that are being made that just told you to raise your hand and point at yourself and say the word Darren, those choices are made by your consciousness and consciousness by definition of virtual reality has to be non-physical from the perspective of inside the virtual reality. So So do you you think I'm like, do you think I'm outside of this thing? Like, controlling it from the outside somehow or do you think this could be something more pre-programmed on the shelf and i'm just some sort of projection of technology well i think that uh, you are an individuated unit of consciousness that has been um uh, what can we say immersively uh connected or logged on to your body as a as a uh, avatar to play and this immersiveness is such that it thinks it is your body because the only information that it can remember in its whole you know, existence is responding to your sense data. Okay? So just like, just like if you are playing, uh, again, a Sims character, what you respond to is the Sims character's sense data, what the Sims character sees, what the Sims character hears, what the Sims character you know, runs into or touches or feels. And the consciousness then uh, is basically in a in a communication with the computer. So you and a com- you as consciousness playing Sims interact with a computer. The actual Sims game itself, the virtual reality, of the Sims, only exists in the minds of the players. You see, it doesn't actually exist in some you know in some world. It only exists in the minds of the players. So yes, that's a big that's a big uh, step to take. That is that oh, uh, you are Boom. your conscious your consciousness, <laughs> your body's an avatar, and uh, your consciousness is making all the choices. Your conscious what animates you. I'm the imagination I mean, your, of myself. Yeah, see, but that's where free will. That's because when I've heard you talk about this before, I was thinking of if if this is an analogy to like the Sims and and that we are in a virtual reality and you're. I'm, you know, I have my avatar here, but my consciousness is somewhere else connected to everybody else's consciousness or connected to something bigger. Then do I really have free will or is my consciousness, is it uh, beyond, little, beyond my your unique? Your avatar doesn't have free will, but the person who's controlling it does? I don't know. That's... Yes, of course. An avatar doesn't have free will. Does your elf, does your elf in World of Warcraft have free will? No. When you stop playing if you if you don't touch the keyboard and don't touch the mouse what does your elf do just stands there and wobbles doesn't do anything 
can't do anything. He doesn't have any free will to say, well, I think I'm going to over sit down till my player comes back from lunch. You know, it doesn't do that. It just stands there and wobbles. It does nothing. Bro- Brody, so, Brody, free- Brody thinks that his elf is still <laughs> playing in the computer no, without no, him. No, or, but like, they do do stuff. Like, they'll uh, dance and they'll, they'll sit down. Oh, they'll dance. Okay, so that's <laughs> all. <laughs> Pre-programmed. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I can no, get on board have, with you that. You do have free will. Free will's necessary. Consciousness and free will go together. You can't have consciousness, the choice maker, without free will, which is, you know, the ability to make the choice. So consciousness and free will are a logical set. And in that set, you also have time. Consciousness, free will, and time are all logically necessary for each other. Okay, You can't have a choice without time because there was before the choice and after the choice. That defines time. Change defines time. So if there's if there is choice, then there has to be consciousness and there has to be time. So all of those go together. And the opposite end of that, the things that are antithetical to that, are materialism, determinism. Okay. And if you have materialism, you have to have determinism. Those two are a logical set. And if you have those two, you have to also state that there is no time and there is no consciousness that both time and consciousness are illusions. So those are the two opposite logical poles. You either have consciousness, free will, and time, or you have materialism, determinism, and time and free will are both, and consciousness, are all illusions. And if you, okay, go, and if you, and if you go with that, the evidence that you've seen and that, uh, that we've talked about on the show lots, uh, you know, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, uh, past lives, I mean, that shows us that it can't be materialism and determinism. Exactly. And just our, just our, everyday, our everyday experience. I mean, we feel that we make choices, and we feel that we make the choices that we intend to make. And we know we could make other choices, but we make choice A instead of choice B. Our own experience tells us that there is time. It's a, it's a flow. It's in one direction. It tells us that there are choices and that we get to make them. This idea that um, all of these things are illusions, it's not that that is philosophically impossible. It's just that it's a dead end. It's, it's unlikely because it doesn't go anywhere. You see, if there is no free will and you have determinism and everything's materialistic, all right, what's next? Nothing. Video see, games. It doesn't, it, 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 what? Video games. <laughs> video games. No, you can't have video games there. But video so, games require time. Time right. has to go sequence through the video game. But time is different right. when you're not in your body, though, isn't it? I mean, I've never had an out-of-body experience, but how do you explain the difference in time when you're in another reality? Like, when you're well, energy packet or however, then that's the other kind of question I had was, if, if it is a sim, like, if we are in a simulation or a virtual reality and, and I leave my body, how does the, the simulation deal with that? Like, how does it, how does uh, it separates my consciousness as an energy packet or something? And then I have maybe if my physical avatar dies, I can actually go somewhere else and come back into another body, you know, a couple of years later. So okay, there's a couple, there's a couple of comments and questions wrapped in there, but. Okay. Let me uh, answer them first with an, with an example. Let's say you're playing The Sims, and uh, while you play The Sims, you also uh, boot up your World of Warcraft. Now, can you leave? Can you walk away from uh, you know 
the co computer one doing the sims and walk over and uh, get your elf to go, uh, you know, fight a barbarian or something? Well, sure you can, <laughs> right? That's not a problem. You can, you can do that. And if you're good, if you can parallel process, you can play both of them at the same time. You can be working your Sims and working your elf both with a mouse in you know, either hand. You won't be particularly great at either one because you're going to be distracted by the other, but you'll be able to work. <laughs> but you will be able to work them both. So that's the way it works. It's no, it's not much different than that. You don't leave your consciousness isn't in your body. This idea of getting out of your body is a metaphor that just doesn't work uh, in logical space. You don't. You're already out of your body. Your consciousness. You're not in your body. Your body is a is a uh, avatar. You don't get into your elf. Do oh, you? that's interesting. Okay, so your, I your, never really thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah. it's or, it's <laughs> already consciousness. separated. Yeah, it's yeah, already that's separated. Cool. Because yeah, I. You, sorry, go ahead. Your, your consciousness doesn't get into your elf or into your Sims character. You are consciousness playing that character. You're already out of body. All you need to do is attach yourself to a different data stream. When you're playing World of Warcraft, you have a data stream coming from the World of Warcraft server, and that data shows up on your monitor as a million pieces of light, right? And that light has intensity, color, and position. That's it. It's a pixel. And that's the data you get from the computer. You look at that data, all those little dots of light, and you interpret that into elves and, and monsters and rivers and streams and rocks and trees. And you interpret all those little spots of light as that. Okay. So the game, the, the world of Warcraft is only existing in your mind from your interpretation of the data. Now an out of body is just like letting that go and going over and turning on the Sims then or logging on over there. So now you have a different server with a different data stream. Okay. Or you could have the same server. It doesn't matter about the computer. It could be the same com computer serving both games, let's say, but it's just a different part of that server that's mm -hmm. now serving up Sims. Mm -hmm. So that's the way it is when you go out of body. All you need to do, you are consciousness. You already are not in your avatar, you're outside, you just have to attach to a different data stream. And if you want to, and you practice, you can attach to both. And you can be here and there, but you're not as effective in either one because each distracts you from the other. So all the same things are available to you as a, you know, as a consciousness, as are available to you in a game. Virtual reality has certain logic, and that logic is the same no matter how you scale it. Oh, that's how you can maybe heal when you're in an astral realm or see something physical that's actually really there in that time that your body's, you know, sitting there, sitting there with, with, uh, with your consciousness yeah. left. So that's the different data stream is you're still sort of, you can even partially affect that, that, yes. that server. That's, a, that's exactly right. You're just interacting with a server. So that's what reality is. It's the, you get a data stream and you interpret it to be something. So it's the going out of body, you know, is made very difficult by just a couple of, for just a couple of reasons. One is fear and two is belief. You have a belief that you have to somehow get out of your body. So people try to roll out like Bob Monroe or they climb up a non-physical rope or they 
lift their arm up to see if they, you know, have a non-physical arm. And they've got all these little tricks that are just trying to get them to let go of that physical reality data stream. But, you know, you can do that easily. That's not such a hard thing to do. When you read a good book that really captures your interest, you've let go of the physical data stream. Yeah. You're not thinking about the traffic outside or, you know, the dog barking in the neighbor's yard. It's not that you can't hear any of it. You've just detached from it all. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's just not there for you anymore. Well, that would put you out of body away from this data stream, except now you've connected yourself to the data stream of the book. So you're still stuck there in that data stream. If you could let go uh, of that too, then you'd basically be out of your body. Not really out of your body. You just have your awareness attached to some other data stream. So as you, as you, as you learn to do these things, you find it's easier and easier. And where, where originally you had to lie down and then you did relaxation exercises and then you did a bunch of other stuff and in a half an hour later you're out of body, you can do that in maybe a tenth of a second. It's just a matter of shifting your focus from one data stream to another. Huh. All the rest of that ritual is completely unnecessary other than we have these beliefs that it has to take place, that somehow we have to get out of inside of us to someplace else, and all that process needs to, needs to happen, and that's what hangs us up and makes it very difficult. There is no process that needs to happen. It's all your intent to latch onto one data stream or another. So speaking That's of thing. speaking of intent, is that why can we do we have any control over our circumstance or our outcome in this thing, or is is that why you, people seem to say that intentions and affirmations and and placebo and all that is all that sort of us tweaking this reality, or is that all tied outside of it as well? No, that's us tweaking the reality. We have we have three ways that we can I say. Um, uh, can can uh, change, can modify, I guess a good word, our reality. Now, it doesn't mean we control our reality, but there are ways that we can modify it sometimes. And I can tell you when one of the sometimes you can and one of the sometimes that you're not likely to. One of those ways is by how, is by how we interpret the data. Remember, you get a data stream and you look at all those pixels and you say, aha, World of Warcraft, look, uh, there's my elf. And you know, he's, uh, he's swimming in a stream. I need to keep his head up or he'll drown. You know, you, you interpret the pixels to be something and you interact with it accordingly. Well, how you interpret that data creates that reality. So the reality you're in right now is created in large extent by just how you interpret the data. You see, you can't share an experience. You have an experience, but you can't share it directly. All you can share is a description of your experience. So you can take your experience, you can describe it to somebody. Oh, I felt like this and I felt like that. And they can listen to your description and they'll interpret that description in terms of their own experience. And what they get out of that, their reality view, is their interpretation of your interpretation of your experience. You see? Yep. So experience is individual. It's personal, and our reality is our interpretation of the data we get. That's what we see. That's why uh, you know women are from Venus and men are from Mars, because they interpret things differently. 
they hear the same data, but they come to different conclusions about what it means. But, so, but that's the interpretation. Yes. That's that's the incoming stream. Right. What about but like what Darren was talking about with the intention and let's say like affirmation all that, that would be your outgoing, right? So then you're explain how no, that relates, no. no? I'm gonna I'm gonna do both of those, but that's okay. one. And what that does is it actually changes your reality. Your reality. There is no reality other than what's in your mind. Your perception. You create the reality yeah. in your mind. That's it. So when you interpret that data a particular way to you, that is your reality. It's not like there's some other reality out there that's truth <laughs> and you just didn't interpret it right. Your interpretation is your reality. So that's one way. And another way is through our behavior. Because if we change our behavior, we change the way people interact with us. And of course, then that changes our reality. But the way that's the kind of the niftiest way, the one you're getting at, <clears throat> is that our intent can modify future probability. Okay, so if there, the, there is no, you know, the future isn't a done deal. The future is just probabilistic. At any one time, there may be, uh, you know, in a particular instance, there may be five different things that are likely to happen there that are possible that could happen there. Some of them are more likely than others. Which one's actually going to happen when we get to the present? So I'm talking about a, a database of all the things that could happen and the probability that they would. So we have this thing I call the, the uh, probable future database. Just probability. Those probabilities change. One of the ways they change is through our intent. So we can have an intent for that probability to change from Let's say now it could be A, B, or C are the things that might happen because of a choice we made. We can make C more probable, perhaps, if the probabilities are all not too different from each other. But now let's say that they're A, B, and C, and let's say the probability that A will happen is 0.9999999999 and so on, and the probability that either B or C will happen is one in a million. Well, we may put our intent on that because we want B or C to happen, and we may bring that one in a million uh, possibility that we want all the way to just one in a thousand. Well, geez, that's three orders of magnitude. That's a huge change, but it's still not likely to happen. Mm -hmm. So you see, that's why I say you have influence. It doesn't mean you always get what you want because it depends on how much probability you have to move, and it depends on how strong you are, how capable you are at moving probability. And the action that you take probably as well. I mean, there's that whole thing about, you know, you can't just sit back and wish for that. You have to then sort of let that go and then, and then act well, on, then, it. Yeah, act every, on it. Yeah. Every yeah. action you make would be multiplying your probability. Yeah. I could really yeah. get on board. <clears throat> yeah. So it's a feedback loop, you see. And with this feedback loop, what it does is that we end up creating a reality here that is a good representation of who we are. So if you look around at this reality and you you know watch the news and you think, well, this place really sucks. There's so much dysfunction going on. There's so much greed and so much you know nastiness. Um, that actually represents us. That's who we are. If you look at humanity, then. That's the average quality of our consciousness. So what you see is pretty much what we get because we manifest things with our intent. We modify them with our intent. Now, everybody doesn't get what they want. You're not a master of your reality in that way. 
You have free will only to make the choices that you realize that the choices are there. That's all free will is. So free will, if there's, if there's 20 things that you might do when you come to this crossroads and you're only aware of 10 of them, well, your free will is to make the choice among those 10. That's it. You see, free will doesn't mean you get anything you want. It just means you get to choose from the, from the, things, from the choices that you know about. So free will grows and gets smaller and gets bigger as your reality gets smaller and gets bigger. As you grow up, as your perspective and viewpoint gets bigger, you have more choices, a larger decision space, a bigger understanding, that sort of thing. So that's kind of where we are. Yes, we can modify future probability. That's how the placebo effect works. That's how uh, healing with your intent works. That's how making it more likely that there's going to be a sunny day for your company picnic rather than a rainy day works. You have a whole lot of people trying to uh, put uh, their, their thoughts, their intent to it being sunny. That works. But on the other hand, if you have a whole lot of people who are fearful that it's going to rain and mess everything up, well, that will help it raise the probability of it raining. So people who are positive tend to live positive lives. People who are negative tend to manifest negative stuff because we influence what happens with our thoughts. What do you think about the sort of new agey explanation of how that physically works? Like actually changing your vibration. And if you, if you come into a, you know, an authenticity of intent uh, for something good or love instead of fear that your vibration actually changes and it resonates with something. And, you know, it actually kind of goes out into the universe and resonates with something and, you know, affects the change like almost physically. Yeah. Well, all the mechanics of that, like vibration and going out to the universe and all of that is nonsense. Uh -huh. But the effect of it, that it actually works is not nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Yes. If you, you, you can use your intent and uh, you will raise the probability that those things will happen. And it's the same if you're negative, if you are fearful, that raises the probability that those fearful things will happen. It works either way. And uh, though the new, the new agers don't really understand the mechanism, they do understand the fact that that works. Yeah. And it works better if you are working out of your being level, not out of your intellect. In other words, um, the being level is what you just called authentic. You work out of an authentic self at your core of your being. Now you're a lot more powerful than if you're working out of your intellect. You work out of your intellect, you're just making wishes. You know, throw a penny in a wishing well and wish for wealth or something hardly ever works. But that's because it all comes out of your intellect, which is not a powerful way to modify future probability. The other thing is you have to have a very clear, focused mind. And for that, we usually recommend uh, meditation. Get rid of the noise. If you get the noise out of your mind, you will be able to put more uh, intent into it, a clearer intent, a more focused intent. So those are the things that make you more or less powerful as, uh, you know, a modifier of future probability. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, is there any way of, of hack or Im improving those odds? Like, can you like, in, well, can you increase your influence through with emotion or by getting it into your subconscious somehow? Or like, is belief. there belief help or like is there any way of upping those odds 
the only way to up those odds that you are going to be effective is to get rid of your fear, get rid of your beliefs, get rid of your ego, because that's all the stuff that creates entropy in your system. That's, that's the noise mm. that creates all the noisy stuff. Um, be able to set all of your uh, immediate concerns aside and uh, not, not uh, continue to process them. And if you do that, then yes, you can make yourself many, many times more effective than if you don't do those things. But the idea that, that, a, that a, a belief can help comes from the, the, from the idea that a, a belief or a tool can help you focus your intent. All right. Um, let's say, for instance, uh, light workers. We probably all heard that out of the New Age community. These are people that have uh, um, that heal people, and they do it by taking beams of white light and burning away the negative, bad health stuff. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you guys seem busy there for. No, it's okay. Just uh, we're just trying to fix something here. Okay. So that's so part. That's that, part of that whole. That's part of that whole increasing intent and belief is. Uh, right. Yeah. So you you believe. Yeah. So that's just a tool. There is no light. Okay. There is no light. This, there are no light beams. There is no black stuff. That's the that's the ill health. All of those are metaphors. And if you set those metaphors up, then you create tools that will help you focus your intent. So yes, in that sense, you you might say you're you're making beliefs. But you're not really. If you think it's a belief, it probably makes it weaker. The idea is that it's just a tool that helps focus your intent. That uh, black spots being the bad health, the, the light beams being the thing that gets rid of them and so on, are just metaphors. So metaphors are very powerful because it helps change and modify our intent. So that's how you... Uh, you beat the system or hack the system, if you will. You just make yourself a more powerful player. You have to level up, as it were, in video game parlance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So staying along that same vein, kind of, I, I know after listening to you and, and, and following your forums a little bit, and, you know, a lot of your work also crosses over to, like, changing yourself, uh, you know, in order to change the world, sure. right? Is, is is not changing the structure. And, and that... I, I mean, I kind of don't really, I have a, a question about, it's difficult because we have, we have a bit of a voice now and we have a platform and I struggle sometimes with like, how much do we use that to like, cause we've been working in, in a lot of like self-help areas as well. And Darren and I go through different stages of, of that. One of us seems to be working on ourselves and the other one's destructing himself, uh, destroying himself. But, um, anyways, uh, but but we have a vo like part of me wants to sort of fight back and not in a physical way but in a, with information. I mean, you know, just seeing the uh, the structure of the the mainstream media and that we have a voice to maybe like uncover some lies, like or do we just sit back? Like how do how do I, you know, balance that? Like working on myself versus versus sort of fighting back and i don't mean fighting back in a, in a physical way but you know what i mean right well sometimes even in a physical way is appropriate um but anyway here's the way that breaks out the way you the way you change things is to change the fundamentals that are causing the things to be that way right and the the way that the thing that is fundamental that's causing the problem is the low quality of consciousness it's the idea that uh 
You know, we're not very developed. We're not very evolved as consciousness. As consciousness evolves, it moves toward love. It move, moves toward caring, cooperation, that sort of thing. So we don't have that. We're not very evolved. And that's why we have all the problems. So how do you get rid of them? Well, one is to change yourself, but the other thing is to help other people change themselves. Now, you can't change other people, but you can provide an environment in which it helps them change themselves. And that's then what, what you guys do when you talk about these subjects. You educate. You show people bigger pictures. You say, well, you know, what you heard isn't necessarily the only way to think about this problem. There's other ways to think about it, other things that are important. So just getting people to to what uh, use their their mind um, analytically just getting people to do critical thinking to realize that there are other ways of looking at problems that is part of the solution that helps them get into a space Raise where the they consciousness can, like yeah exactly that helps them fix themselves and only when they fix themselves is the whole boat gonna gonna float higher so yes the only way to fix these problems is for the people to grow up and change themselves but that requires an awful lot of education and people seeing bigger pictures and that's why when you talk about these things it's not that you can make anybody grow up but at least you give them some information that raises the probability maybe even just a little that they will put the dots together and grow themselves up so education is important it's an important part of it. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that you, you uh, kind of backed away from, well, I don't mean actually physically fight, but sometimes that's necessary. Um, my philosophy, though it's a philosophy of becoming love, is not a pacifist philosophy. It's a philosophy that has to do with taking those actions, having those intents that minimize entropy for self and for the whole. And sometimes that means stopping things that are very bad because these bad things are what raises entropy, what creates more fear and so on. So there is a role for action. There is a role sometimes for fighting back, but fighting back. Usually, yeah. In, in defense. Right. But that usually is the, the last very last option. And many people fight back, not because they're lowering entropy, but because their ego demands it. You see, now you're just throwing gasoline on a fire, and now your, your, your fight makes things worse rather than better. So it depends. There's not, a, you know, there's not a way to know for sure exactly what your motivation is for most people, because they're so confused by their fear and ego and beliefs that they don't really have an authentic self yet. Yeah, yeah. And it's a little difficult for them. Huh. So I gotta, you gotta get there first before you make any big decisions. I think that's a good idea. You need to grow up yourself because the more you grow up, the more successful you will be at growing, at giving other people an environment in which they can grow up. Because if you just aren't very grown up, but you think you are, well, all the ways that you're going to, the things you're going to do to help other people grow up will probably be counterproductive. Like, uh, you know, you'll say, well, I figured all this out. And now you start lecturing people and tell them how to live and, you know, what's right and what's wrong and point out all the things they're doing wrong. Well, that's going to make it worse, not better. You can't uh, push people, bully people, um, you know, give lectures to people to help them grow up. 
You just have to give them information they can use and then let them make their own choices. They have free will. It has to be their choice. Yeah. I really don't know how to a- ask this question, but I think, I think you'll get the point, but I feel like, uh, you know, you've seen materialism uh, decline over the decades. I'm, I'm sure that it's, it's getting to the point where, you know, another 10 or 20 years and we'll be living in a different paradigm as far as consciousness goes. But how do, I feel like this, the uh, polarization, especially in, in the States and in the world now, is somewhat connected with our last sort of grip on, on materialism as, as a paradigm. And I, I'm not too sure how to connect those two, but I feel like if we all understood that we weren't this avatar and that we were up here, that uh, somehow that would change the culture and the, and the polarization that's going on uh, right now. Do you know, do you see any, like any relation to the, the, the death of materialism and the, and the last sort of gasp of what's happening here at all? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I think uh, materialism in science as well as elsewhere is kind of being pushed into a corner. And when you push something into a corner, it usually gets more dangerous uh, than it was when, uh, you know, it had to, it had a, enough room to maneuver and run. So yes, I think we're seeing kind of the last desperate gasps of uh, materialist thinking uh, in our in our uh, social thinking. I think that the, these new ideas about uh, this being a virtual reality, about the purpose of our life here, is to grow up, evolve the quality of our consciousness, become love about other, not about self, mm-hmm. etc. As these ideas grab hold, and they will grab hold because they're, one, they're better science and they're better philosophy. They tend to work. You can, you can uh, you know, put it to the test. These things can be experimentally derived. You act, well, let's put it this way. You, you work on getting rid of your fear and being more caring. And eventually, if you actually achieve that rather than just act it, but you actually achieve it, you will see that your life will get better that you will be a lot happier. Your relationships will improve. All this stuff will start to fall out. So it's a thing that thousands of people have done and they, they see the results. So it's not a matter of you have to believe it. You just have to try it and prove it or disprove it to yourself is the thing. So as people do this and do apply it to their lives and they do see the results, I think that will put more and more pressure on the the, what do we say? The holdouts, those that are uh, you know don't want to grow the quality of their consciousness and are happy with things just the way they are, and it will it will change everything as we get more and more people with a better attitude, being less self-centered, less ego, less beliefs, then less fear. Fear is the main problem. If we can ratchet down the fear, then our institutions, our governments, you know, our laws. All the stuff that uh, really uh, feels like it, it's a heavy weight that we're a burden for us uh, in many ways, our economic system, all of that stuff will start to fix itself. People inside of it will just start fixing it because we as a people will be able to support something better than that. Mm. As we change, those systems will change. Those bad systems, our economic system and our governments and so on, these systems are the symptoms of a low quality of consciousness. Low quality of consciousness is not the symptom of these things. These, you know, these, these um, social things are just symptoms. 
as the quality of the people change, those institutions will change with them. Uh, you really don't have to go out and depose that nasty dictator um, in order to, you know, make the big change. You'll do better by by growing yourself, you becoming love, helping other people do that because you understand that will help much more than just getting rid of that dictator because you get rid of him, he'll be replaced before long with somebody of the same ilk because that's the ilk that represents us. So it's a never-ending thing. I mean, you know, there's been dictators and greed and nastiness and people uh, trying to rip off other people from as far back as there is recorded history. It's not like you'd say, well, I think we'd learn something by now. You know, we have, uh, you know, 3,000 years of records that that doesn't work very well. But that will just keep on keeping on until we change ourselves. So it's not the institutions that make us crazy. It's our craziness that makes the institutions. But yes, the two have to work together. So just because those institutions are just symptomatic doesn't mean that you ignore them. Whenever you get rid of an unpleasant symptom, huh, everybody feels so much better for a while. But just don't think that that getting rid of that symptom is going to give you a long-term hmm. you know, a long-term respite from that. It won't. That symptom will just come back in another form, in another way. So the only way to actually make progress is to grow ourselves. But meanwhile, yes, go work on those symptoms. You know, go stand with your sign. You know, uh, that's educational. Helps people see things from a different perspective. So, no, I don't think you should. Every, we should all sit down, you know, get in the lotus position and stare at our navels till the world gets better. You know, that isn't going to work. You know, we have to go out and interact with that world and we have to be the change. And when we are, things will change, but they'll change slowly. And the infrastructure, economy, the governments, they are symptoms. Yes, we'd like to change those symptoms to make them more benign, but don't kid ourselves that we're actually making permanent changes unless we change ourselves. I think I heard that somewhere before that be the change. <laughs> yeah, somebody said that, right? Somebody important. Yeah, I forget. Um, speaking of that, I was, is, I was Gandhi, I believe. Gandhi said, right. be, be the change you want to see in the world. Is there any other clues in religion that you've noticed that are kind of pointing to this same same conclusion? Because have you looked into that angle of it at all? Is that like... Yeah. yeah. No, religion was kind of an odd thing for me. You know, I came from science. I'm a physicist, and uh, I started studying this stuff when I was in my, what, uh, middle to late 20s. That's when I started... Uh, hanging out with Bob Monroe and learning to go out of body and figuring all this stuff out. And at that time, you know, when you're in your, when you're a young physicist, you pretty much think religion is a bad idea. You know, religion is something that we'd all do a lot better if you got rid of it. It uh, creates a lot of trouble and a lot of, a lot of warring and a lot of bad attitudes and so on. <coughs> but, you know, fast forward uh, five or 10 years later, and I'm seeing that many of the things that I'm learning, many of the truths that I, I'm uncovering with my own experience kind of fit right into what many of those religions have been saying, you know, for the last 2,000 years. You know, God is love. <clears throat> well, God's the metaphor that they use. Um, you know, and I, <clears throat> I saw the, the patterns that most religions have a core ethical understanding of being nice 
turning the other cheek, being positive, caring about other, you know, treating others the way you'd like to be treated and so on. So a lot of these same places I was going, religion had already been there ahead of me and already figured that out. <clears throat> of course, they also have added a whole lot of dogma and ritual and other nonsense uh, to it. And they've also gotten their egos so wound up about their dogma that they want to kill each other for, for being different. Uh, so it's got its negative side as well. But I, I, I redid my assessment of religion from my physicist view and realized that the core values there are actually real stuff. That is the way the world works. That is the way we go forward is, uh, you know, caring about each other, not being so self-centered. And most of the fundamental, you know, so the, the major religions have that at their, at their core. So, um, yes, religious, uh, <coughs> a religious path is a viable real path to growing up. You just have to not get caught in the dogma and the ritual and the, and the other nonsense that's there. But if you can make it a spiritual path and a religious path, they're, they're not incompatible. That's just one way of, of many. <clears throat> that's kind of, it kind of leads to the question I was going to ask was about, about uh, another one that's hard for me to ask, but it's kind of about the hierarchy of, of beings or entities. Like how, how does that fit in with, with the simulation theory and the, and the whole consciousness thing? If, if, I mean, a lot of those entities that the, you know, that people see in an, another realm, like whether it's the astral realm or, whatever is is uh is they have religious connotations it could be jesus or the christ consciousness or something like that or even that even lower um level like demons or devils or whatever how does how does that fit into the the whole thing isn't that kind of a sort of a, a stick in the spokes in a way no <laughs> excuse me <coughs> what okay. people see what people see are metaphors Okay. In the out-of-body, much of what you'll see is metaphorical. It's not like going to Chicago. When you go to Chicago, you see Chicago just the way Chicago's built. And everybody that goes to Chicago sees the same, you know, black spot on the sidewalk, you know, exactly, you know, at that intersection. It's just the way it is. When you go out-of-body, it's not like going to Chicago at all. You interact with a data stream. This data stream is probably given to you by the same computer that does, you know, the, uh, our, our virtual reality. We just call that computer the larger consciousness system, right? So you get this data stream, and the data stream tends to be things that will help you grow up, things that will help you see bigger pictures, okay? So it's, it's, a, it's another learning adventure, if you will. And what you interpret that to be has a lot to do with what you bring to the table. If you're a very fearful person, and if you have fear in the back of your mind about, what if I don't get back? What if I die while I'm out there? What if monsters get me? You know, What if evil entities come and scoop me up? Uh, what if I get possessed? And if you have all of these negative things, then you will find scary stuff there. You will find monsters. You will find things that are unsavory. You'll find black figures with glowing red eyes and you know fangs and whatever. You'll find all that stuff because that is you creating metaphors for your own fear. Wow. Now, now here, I said that we have our intents modify future probability. There, 
your intents outright manifest what that intention is right in front of your face. It's a much, much faster process there because it's a much looser rule set. There's not so many rules that have to be met. And so if you go there fearful, you'll find fearful things. Can you get things accomplished there at, at all? Like, can you go there and do something and have an effect here where you've got a, a bigger effect? Yes, you can. Like, can I go in there um, and learn Taekwondo and then come back here and be better at it? Well, you probably could do that if you practiced it there. You know, you can do that just just in your in your uh, in your mind. You know, just talk about your imagination. That if you let's say you have to give a speech. And you're going to give this speech to a thousand people and you don't give speeches very often to many people. And you're scared to death about standing up in front of a thousand people and having to talk and not making yourself look like an idiot. So you go into your imagination and you give that speech and you give it again and again, and you speak out loud to people, to your imaginary audience. And after you've done that a few dozen times, your fear will reside and you'll become a really good, you know, you'll do really well with that speech. So, yes, working in a non-physical, in this case, an imaginary reality, produces results. You can learn in any reality. All of these experiential realities we get into, out-of-body, lucid dreaming, um, dreaming, regular dreaming, all of those realities are places where we can make choices and learn from those choices. So if you want to go to a place where you, if you know, you have to come with some knowledge. You're not going to go there and, and you know, swallow a pill and become a, a master martial artist. But if you go there with ideas and concepts and ways of moving and, and uh, you know, things to execute and practice them there, indeed, yes, you will get better at it. Matter of fact, most athletes, really good athletes, uh, you know, Olympic, you know, the people that make, you know, the top middle of the Olympics, those people will tell you that their, their edge, what makes them tend to be winners is mental. That the game they're they're playing. Yeah. It's mostly mental. It's not physical. You can only do so much with the physical. You can train to where the physical can move on its own without you having to think. In other words, you can work out of the being level from the physical, get your mind out of it. Because if you have to think about it, you'll never be very good at it, no matter what you're trying to do, uh, whether you're typing or whether you're throwing a javelin, you know, your mind just gets in the way. So you have to get it down at the being level, but it's the, it's the mental game. It's the confidence. It's the feeling right. It's the feeling solid. It's the feeling positive. This one's going to go further than any javelin's ever gone. That's the thing that really makes you the winner not just the fact that your body is in top condition. All those bodies in go to the Olympics are in top condition or they wouldn't be there. The mental game is the difference. So, yes, you can go and, uh, no, it's not like, uh, what was his name, um, <clears throat> Neo. You're not going to go uh, put in a cassette tape and play it into your head and then become a, a, a great martial artist because you downloaded all the information. It's not really about just information. It's not about facts. It's about integrating all of that into your being level. And we do that with repetition and with practice, which is why doing that speech a hundred times in your imagination makes you better at it. And going through all of those martial arts moves uh, when there's no opponent, 
just doing it in your mind or, or doing it by yourself, all of that helps. It's all part of a process of repetition that helps get it down to your being level. And yes, you can learn there. The whole reason I wrote the book about consciousness was because I did research there. I figured these things out, not because I had sat down and thought about it. I figured these out because I could go to that non-physical place exactly the same way, change a variable, do exactly the same thing, and see what difference that change variable made. Wow. And you have to do that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and eventually you can figure out what affects what and what the limitations are and why. So that's why after doing that for some 35 years, I decided I knew enough about it to write the book. (laughs) And that's why it was a book about consciousness, really. It wasn't a book about physics. It was a book about consciousness. Knowing consciousness was the fundamental thing, but it was just from a lot of research. And no, I don't think I would ever have figured it out if I had to figure it out from the outside. The only thing that, you know, the the reason why I tend to be unique among writers and my books are unique among books and my philosophy is kind of unique among, you know, philosophers is that, you know, I was able to do this inside work from the non-physical in order to help understand this. And that's just because Bob Monroe taught me to be able to precisely reproduce these states so that you could actually actually test them and see what you could could do there. So that's kind of my my unique thing in all of this. Of course, if you look at it, you can say, well, most of these ideas have <laughs> been around for thousand, you know, a couple of thousand years. The Buddha, twenty four hundred years ago, said this reality is an illusion. I say it's a virtual reality. It's yeah. almost the same thing. Yeah. You see, so the ideas have been around forever but they've never been in the form of logic. They've never been in a, in a basically a, a science form. That's the difference. With my books, you can start at the beginning and just logically move your way through it. It's not poetry. It's logic. Each step you know, creates the logic that takes you to the next step. So that's the difference. And you know, when we first, the founding fathers of quantum mechanics, they were so excited about finding a whole new idea about reality but when none of them could come up with any theory to explain it it all just kind of went away after all einstein spent the last 20 some years of his career trying to come up with that theory you know he called it a toe he was just trying to to uh, get quantum mechanics and relativity to agree with each other 20 some years later he comes up empty-handed well, if you're Einstein, you can do that and, you know, you can still bow and everybody will applause. But if you're just some ordinary physicist works at a university and 20 years later, you haven't published a paper, you know, you just hit the dead end. You know, you're not valuable anymore. I feel so like a- I, I feel like there was more intention. It was more intentional to 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 propagate materialism at that time you know, by the scientists and the, and the powers that be. But I mean, I, I don't know if we should go there, but I did want to ask while you're talking about your experiences with Bob is, can you t- tell us about that experience that you had with your buddy where you both, um, you know, you, you Bob asked you guys to both do something and, and uh, I don't want right. to say it, but that was pretty profound. Yeah, that was profound for me. And you know, my, my, uh, 
friend Dennis that you're talking about, it was not the profound moment for him. It was just another weird day at the office. You know, every time we every time we went out to Bob's, you know, strange things would happen. Things that shouldn't be able to happen happened all the time. So our life was, you know, out there was so strange every day that when really bizarre things happened, you really didn't think that much about it. You didn't get that excited about it. But this one got me excited. And this is one where Bob asked Dennis and I to go out of body together. And we usually did. We usually worked together. And I was in booth one. He was in booth three. And these booths are soundproofed. And one of them uh, was, um, I think it was a booth I was in, was also uh, electromagnetically shielded. So there was an empty one between us. If one of us had screamed, the other one maybe would have heard a little murmur. You know, that's about the level of the soundproofing. But we weren't screaming. We had a microphone right about an inch from our lips, and we were talking very softly with Bob as we as we uh, uh, were doing this thing. So we met above the lab. We both had been going out of body now pretty you know easily and regularly. That was an easy thing to do. So we met in the out of body state above the lab. His instruction to us were to stay together. Just make sure we always stayed together, and then you know, report what happened. So that was the way we did everything. We had the mic in front of us and we keep reporting into Bob because that's the way he taught us because he couldn't help us if he didn't know what it was we were experiencing. You know, after it's all over, the teaching moment's gone. So <clears throat> we gave a running stream of what was happening to us while we were out of body. So Dennis and I went on a trip. It took a long time. It was about two hours worth, which was our typical session with Bob. <clears throat> and after two hours, we had been places, done things, saw things, had conversations with each other, had conversations with other entities. <clears throat> it was fairly eventful. And we staggered out of our booths and met Bob up in the control room. And he gave us that little kind of sly look uh, <laughs> that, he, that he had, you know, where you kind of get this smile and you think, uh-oh, what's coming next? <clears throat> and he said, so you two think you were together? And we looked at each other. and. You know, we both said, yeah, well, it seemed that way. Yeah, it looked, seemed that way to us. So then Bob says, well, now listen to this. And he took his two hands and he flipped both switches on each of the tapes. Because in those days, everything was cassette tape. And Dennis had a tape and I had a tape and he had started them at the same time. And there were Dennis on two independent tapes, answering each other's questions, pointing things out. Oh, do you see that such and such? Oh, yeah, I see it. You mean the one with the, yeah, that's the one. And you know, we're having this conversation that was clearly the both of us were interacting with each other and we're seeing the same things. So it wasn't just a, a mind trip, mm -hmm. you know, that each of us were having, a, you know, our own private hallucination. If it was a hallucination, it was a shared hallucination, yeah. <clears throat> which just runs the probability of it being a hallucination, you know, uh, into infinitesimal that we would have a shared hallucination to that level of detail. So for me, that was the, that was the, the moment that I got it at the gut level, as opposed to the intellectual level up until that point, both Dennis and I were saying, yeah, a lot of weird stuff, but are we sure that's really what we're doing? You know, th could this possibly be true? Because both of us are techies. Both of us are very hard to convince, uh, both of us came out of a materialist mind frame and we weren't going to be led anywhere, you know, 
down La La Lane, we were going to be very careful. So even when, though the statistics said it's like you know 10,000 to one that you guys got this information you got just by good guessing, you know we had all the statistics, but that affects your intellect. Intellectually, we'd say, oh yeah, it's real, but at the gut level, nah, we didn't admit that. I didn't admit that until that very day. And when that happened, then I was done asking, is it real? Yeah. It was real, and I didn't have to question it anymore because there was no other way to explain that <clears throat> other than that we were communicating. And we were seeing strange things that you know, were very unworldly, which means it's not stuff that we would both likely make up. You know, if, if both of you say, well, I'm in a cloud and I see a black box, well, that's not very evidential. But if you see very you know, peculiar things that are not really here, so they're not in your, it, it's not in your reference. memory. Yeah, it's not in your experience, yeah. It, yeah, it's not in your experience, it's not in your memory. And then the two of us are seeing those same things at the same time with the same description and interacting with each other over it then to me that said that it was real. What we were seeing was something that was real. Well, we were both attached to the same data stream. And we were attached to the same data stream from being at the same position. You know, we were together. So that's what you get. And uh, that was a real big one for me. Dennis got to his real big moment, uh, I don't know, about a, about a year later. I don't remember exactly what... Uh, what tipped him over. But like I say, to, to Dennis, that was just another weird day at the lab. Uh, to, to me, that was the final straw, you yeah, know, that finally yeah. uh, broke, broke the camel's back. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I want I wanted to get back to the, the, the part about the fear and the love and, and the entities. Like it's easy to, to just to say that, like, Oh, you know, if you, if you, if you, it's all about your, your, what you bring into that encounter or bring into that, the fear and love, but how do you recommend somebody gets out of that? I mean, can imagine people that wake up in sleep paralysis and there's a entity over them or people that experience that. And it's probably an instant. I mean, it doesn't happen to me, but people that we, that listen to the show, people that we know, and it's probably an instant fear reaction. I mean, how do you prep? How do you prep? And how do you, how do you prep for that next encounter with a, let's say just a demon or a devil or whatever, somebody that's going to attack you while you're frozen in bed. Like, how do you prep for that to, to try you and prep, you prep for that with courage? You have to say, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to experience it. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. <clears throat> and I'll accept that. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to connect. I'm going to engage with whatever I find and deal with it. And if you make that commitment, now, when I was first going out to Bob's, I guess I'd started going out to Bob's. I'd start, I had something come to me and basically asked me that question, you know, it said, uh, you know, are you, what if you don't return? Are you ready for that? I had a baby that was like three or four or five years old. I had a wife, you know, I had, you know, I was in school. I had things, you know, at that time I wasn't in school. I was at work. I had responsibilities. So this idea of just not coming back was a pretty big idea. But I thought about it for a couple of weeks, came to the conclusion that this was my path. I thought everything would be fine. But if that's what happened and I just didn't come back, well, everybody would have to adjust. And I would I'm going to do this thing anyway, because it's something I felt I needed to do. <clears throat> now, that's just me. So the next time something big and scary showed up, you know, I gave it a hug 
you know, a kiss on the cheek and told her to have a, you know, have a nice day. And it just goes poof and disappears. <laughs> you see? So I got a lot of fear tests around that then for the next month or two months. I got a lot of fear tests. A lot of scary stuff would show up just to see if it could chase me home. And uh, I just didn't let it. And then eventually all that just goes away. So the problem is that if you are fearful, you will find very scary things there. And if you find very scary things there, you will be worse off than if you had never tried to go out of body in the first place, because now you'll be more frightened than you were before you started. Fear is the enemy. Fear is the thing we, we have to overcome. Fear is the problem. So something that leaves you with more fear is not a good thing to do. So the system has what I call fear tests. And that is if you're getting into that realm and you still have too much fear, you're likely to have a fear test, which is some boogeyman or some black thing at the end of your bed with red glowing eyes or something like that, that, that just twangs your fear. You flunk the fear test when it throws you into a panic and you, and you run, then that keeps you out. It's a good way to keep people out that aren't, really ready to be there well what, what if it's people that aren't intending to be there they don't want to go out of body it's happening i mean the same thing apply if it's just happening to you coming out into a hypnagogic state or whatever or you're, or you're stuck in sleep paralysis like same kind of principles apply then yeah same kind yeah. of things apply if it's just happening to you anyway then you probably either are ready or you're within reach of getting to be ready. Yeah. So it's something for you to work with. Yeah. So if you had a sleep paralysis, don't panic. Just realize that, well, my, uh, my senses, my body, it senses this avatar, right? Runs on a rule set. It doesn't have any input. So when it doesn't have any input, what does it do? Well, it doesn't do anything. And what does it mean when you're paralyzed? It means your sensory stuff isn't doing anything. Well, good. That's what you want. <laughs> That's your first step, you know, in getting rid of this, this data stream of getting out of this physical is to let the physical go. So being paralyzed means you're not operative here. See that as a good thing. See that as something positive, not a, not a scary thing. If you have a lot of uh, vibration and noise and, and electrical shocks, just let them be. Ride them out. Say, all right, <clears throat> I'm on the bucking bronco. I'm not going to let go and I'm not going to fall off. And you just ride it out and eventually the system will say, well, okay, you pass and I'll let you go. <clears throat> so yeah. that's the way, that's the way you treat that. You just, you know, uh, don't, uh, don't show the fear. Fear just attracts those things, you know, and I shouldn't really say it that way. It attracts those things that would, you know, that would uh, kick you. It's like a big kick me sign, you know, that somebody sticks on your back. Fear's something that just attracts fear. Fearful, <coughs> fearful things will happen. Yeah. <coughs> now I've been, you know, and I've been uh, approached many times, dozens and dozens of times, probably a hundred times, by people who feel that they have been um, attacked by <coughs> or have some kind of physical entity attached to them, some kind of. Um, parasite non-physical sucking out their energy they've got all kinds of symptoms <coughs> the symptoms go from their hair stands on end they can feel their skin crawling like bugs are crawling underneath their skin they um they hear voices they can't sleep at night 
they have panic attacks. They constantly, they can't concentrate because these things keep butting into their life. <clears throat> Eventually, these people get to the point of being uh, non-functional. They can't work. They can't sleep. They can't really do anything. You know, if you can't work, you can't pay the bills. If you can't sleep, you really can't work or anything else. So they're searching and searching for somebody that can help them. And they've been to all sorts of people and nothing really works. And in the beginning, I saw what they saw. I'd look and I'd say, yeah, I see a couple of entities hanging around you and uh, <coughs> they're not very friendly. And I would see those entities. It took me a long time working with them because getting rid of an entity is really not that hard to do. And manipulating things in a non-physical is really pretty easy. And I'd find that I could get rid of these things, but they would always come back. I couldn't make them stay away. And I would do things that should, by the way the rules work, make them stay away, but it wouldn't work. They'd come back. And <clears throat> it occurred to me, after going through many of these, that those entities were creations of those individuals. Hmm. You know, you talk about thought forms. Mm -hmm. Well, these were more than thought forms. These were thought forms that had been pumped up by fear to a very strong degree, and these entities actually become little, you know, thought forms. Um, not entirely independent entities. They're not going to wander off someplace. They're attached right. to that Help individual. Us. Yeah, something like that. There's just something that's stuck to you that it's a, and it does things, you know, it, it speaks to you. It whispers things in your ear while you're trying to focus on something else. It's constantly there and annoying you and ruining your life. And there's nothing you can do to get rid of it. Well, after a while, I started seeing the connection between them and the people that were creating. I started to just hang out and watch the process of them being recreated. Wow. And uh, I wasn't so quick to boot them out, figure, okay, got rid of them. I'm done, you know, and then uh, they come back and do that like 50 times and it never works. I got a little more patience and said, well, let's just sit here and see, see how they come back. Let's just follow this process a little bit and they always were regenerated on the spot by those people okay so yes you'll hear about uh you know uh, non-physical parasites that'll do this and do that for the most part these are people's fears and what happens is that you have a fear that something like that might happen well then you get this little twitch and you th and after a while you think well maybe that twitch is something to do with that that and then that twitch gets worse so as the fear ratchets up, you know, the the results of the fear get stronger and stronger, which makes the fear ratchet up more, which makes it get stronger. And it just goes like that until it's so bad that these people can't function. So it's a downward fear spiral where the the results of the fear create more fear. And that is a lot more common than you think. Same with a lot of injuries and a lot of problems, a lot of back pain, a lot of uh, chronic pain and, and illness, you know, frozen shoulders and that sort of thing. A whole lot of that falls in the same category. It's, it often is, is a creation of a fear, of a person's intent. And they, they, uh, the metaphor puts it in a particular body part. Now, there's some physical things going on there, too. Those muscles may cramp. Uh, 
you know how it is uh, when you get these these knots in your back from a lot of tension, mm-hmm. and the muscles just tend to knot up and they're sore when the you know the chiropractor or the masseuse uh, pushes on them. They hurt a little bit and they're just these hard knots. Well, your muscles may do things like that in those areas <clears throat> where the fear is manifesting. So it's not that they don't have any physical components. They may, but the physical components are generated by the mind, by the mental, and by the fear. So there's a lot of that that um, negative stuff we take on in both our minds and in our bodies to a much greater extent than than people would imagine. So when you're working on these people, it's through the astral realm then? It's not like you're not seeing these things when you're standing next to them. You're going out of body to, to, do, to check that out and to, to watch this recreation of these entities as well? Yes, that's what I'm doing, but yeah. I can do that. I can do both. Okay. I can be, I can be talking to them and watching them, okay. you know, create yeah. and watching the things go. It's, yeah. it's like we talked about earlier. It's yeah. not that hard to play Sims and World of Warcraft yeah. both. <laughs> yeah. You're just not, you're just not as good at either. Yeah. You know, but you, but you can still keep up with the games that way. And then, so, so I can do both, but mostly I don't, mostly I get these in email and I go just look at the person and from a non-physical viewpoint to see what's going on. And eventually, um, I'd say, and it's not all the time. I'm saying this is probably the, you know, the 99.9% of the time. There are things where people actually do get attacked, but almost always I've found they come from other people in this physical reality. But those are things that do come from outside of them. They're not something that they create from inside of them. So there are exceptions to the case. I'm just saying most of the time for most people who are having these problems, they're problems that are self-created. There's the there's probably the you know the one hundredth of one percent that fall in a different category. But and mostly that doesn't happen here. And mostly when it does happen, the people are really aware of the source. So that's a that's just another another whole that be um, if they were like cursed yeah. or something. Yeah, something like that. Not really. It's more of a, you know, you use your mind to heal, right? You can modify future probability to get rid of somebody's headache or to get rid of, you know, other illnesses or a cancer or something. Well, you can use your mind to to increase a headache, to give someone a headache, to give someone cancer. It works either way. Intent moves future probability. So you, if you're a scare, if you're a frightened person, you tend to create frightening things. <clears throat> but if you are a, a person who wants to hurt other people, mostly that's because you want something from them. You know, give me your money, or I will, you know, make your children ill, or give me your money, or I will make you barren, or I will make you, you know, whatever. Then you have the um, the healing effect in in the opposite direction. And it doesn't take place in our culture very much. It's extremely rare here because in our culture, we don't know enough about the way reality is to even uh, <clears throat> think that that's a possibility. We laugh at that sort of uh, you know voodoo when we read about it in stories. It's all made up and it's all nonsense. So we don't have that here. But people who come from other cultures where that is an understood, a well-understood part of reality, um, they don't. Uh, they don't have that that same thing. There are people who will who will shake them down, so to speak, with threats of bodily harm, 
to them and loved ones uh, if they don't give them money and they have the ability to do it. So that's a problem. But in our culture, it's an extremely rare problem. Well, you you could argue uh, that the mainstream media is doing that with the fear porn that it's always, I mean, it's, it's just a constant barrage of keeping people in that state of fear. I mean, that's, that's happening. I, I would say that that's kind of happening at that level. Right. And that's a lot of why we have such a low quality of consciousness is yeah. this constant uh, beating on the fear drums. Yeah. But why would people do that? <clears throat> a couple of reasons, but I think one of the main reasons is that if you know a person's fear, you can manipulate them. If you know what frightens someone, you can make them dance to pretty much any tune you want them to dance to just by manipulating that fear. So if you would like to manipulate people, the first thing you want to do is frighten them, Mm. make them afraid. And if you can make them afraid, well, now you've got them, you know, and it's not just our politicians that do that. Our advertisers do that. I mean, how many times have you watched a commercial where, you know, the guy is sent out to get the beer. And if he gets the wrong kind of beer, everybody's going to laugh at him and kick sand in his face. But if he gets the right brand of beer, all the girls in bikinis will all run over to him and hug him. Right? Well, that's just trying to sow fear of being inadequate, of getting the wrong thing. And the solution? Well, buy that brand of beer and now you won't be inadequate. You see? So advertisers are just like politicians. They would like to manipulate us to get money transferred from our pocket to theirs or their customers' pockets. And to do that, the main tool is fear. So look at the ads. Almost all the ads you see first try to create a fear of something going wrong or not happening right or a problem. And then they try to sell you the product. So uh, that's the way politicians work too. If they can get a if they can get a fearful country, they can manipulate that electorate easily it's called propaganda you know that's the way that's the way it works it's called advertising it's uh, you know in many ways it's called religion you know it's everywhere you have groups of people with large memberships and those at top would like to manipulate and and move those numbers of members in the way they want well the tool is fear that's why we have uh you know, what uh, hellfire and brimstone, you know, that's a little fear prod there so that people will do what you want them to do, act the way you want them to act and raise your salary. So when you realize so, that when you realize that those people were recreating their own entities when you were working on them and they were they were going back into that that state. Did you then, were you then able to just to, to, to coach them out of that and then explain that to them and, and then they would, you, did you see any results where they, they would actually wouldn't come back then? The, the ones that were open to that, yes, they became very successful and they could get rid of it over time. If they were open to that as a concept, most people aren't open to that. Mm. Um, you know, Fear isn't something people want to face. Fear is something people want to run away from and want to hide from. And it's very comforting to be able to blame something else, you know, for your for your problems. It's not me. I've been attacked by some uh, non-physical slug, you know, that is draining my energy. Well, that takes all the blame away from you. You don't have to change. Nothing you're doing wrong. 
You see, that's a more comfortable place to be. All you have to do is complain about it and suffer. Mm-hmm. Well, if you happen to also be a bit of a uh, of a uh, you know person who likes to suffer publicly, uh, or who needs excuses for you know why you can't continue on with college or whatever else because it's hard and you have this fear of failure, well, then it all kind of works out. So people like that. No, I don't have much success with them unless I can get buy-in at the beginning. Okay, I don't believe it, but let's just say that's the way it is. What do you want me to do? And if they work with me, then basically we almost always work work out of that. And they can get rid of these things on that basis. But it's if they if they can't go there, then they just are stuck. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> So, so it just comes down to like a f- belief thing at the end, almost the same as a placebo. Yes, comes down to a, a, a belief. If you believe that <coughs> you're being overwhelmed by something outside your control, then, you know, that will probably happen. That's probably what you'll end up with. So that's that could be a good life. That's the way your life will be. But if you believe that, that you can, con- that you can control this thing, that you have the ability to make it go away. And here's the, here's the way to do that. Then you will find that it gets weaker and weaker and weaker, but there's a thing <coughs> there. You can't just act it. You see, again, there's no power in acting. If you are really frightened, but you act like you have courage you know if you put on your best (coughs) courage face and uh, beat your chest and growl and say i'm gonna get it and all this sort of thing but really at the core of you you're still you're still frightened then it's not gonna work so it has to be real the the intellect doesn't carry much power can you fake it till you make it for a little while i mean i mean that could be a a path towards that or practicing yes. your imagination. I was thinking like before, if you could go there and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're ima- just imagine yeah. oh, that you're telling a, it over yeah. and over again. You're just yeah. in your imagination. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck well, you. I wouldn't, I don't, that's yeah. not really loving. I think he was talking about hugging it, <laughs> hugging it. Oh, you don't right. Wanna... right. Uh, well, different, stra- <laughs> different strategies worth for different people. Sometimes the idea is to, is to be belligerent back. Yeah, it depends on the personality you're working with. Right, right. Sometimes, sometimes that's the wrong thing to do because if they get into a fight, it ends up making it worse. Yeah, <laughs> rather than better. <laughs> so it just depends on the personality that you're dealing with. Try um, love first. Pushback is good. Yeah. <clears throat> it always seems so many episodes seem to come back to love. I know yeah. it's crazy. So we don't want to keep you too much longer, Tom. Do you have any other uh, uh, questions, Darren? At all? I mean. I'd like to give Tom an opportunity to, to talk about uh, to to sort of swing back to the his uh, experiments that are coming up and when those are gonna um, come to fruition and then you know I mean we could go deep into a whole bunch of things but do you have any other questions? What's about what's like um, if you only had like a couple of minutes to if you only had a couple of minutes to get someone someone who's not listening to this podcast say, but if you only had a couple of minutes to get someone kind of down the rabbit hole, what, what would be like, what's, what's sort of the, what's the hook to get people who aren't into this content to start seriously considering it? Well, if they're like your listeners, they've already maybe listened this far, then uh, it would be different than it was just somebody that never had any thought about it at all. 
there was somebody, let's say, just on the street, you know, I happen the guy comes and sits down next to me on the, you know, at, at the bus station, and uh, we get a conversation. Then what I would ask him is, uh, you know, how's life? You know, are you happy? Things going well? Your relationship's good? You know, you like your job? You know, you got a good boss? You know, what's going on? And of course, most of us, if got if I had to answer that question, we'd start complaining about all the things that aren't right. No, the boss, you know, is a pain in the ass and relationships are not working out. And, you know, I fight with my wife and, you know, you just get this long litany of things that aren't working out right is the way the average person responds to that. And then I might ask them, you know, that, uh, um, that there's a way to turn that around. There's a way to, you know, to uh, end up with a life where the relationships are great and so on, and that you can do it yourself. You know, you don't doesn't require anybody else. You don't have to pay for a psychiatrist. You don't have to go to a doctor. You don't have to do anything except a few simple things. And then I would tell them that uh, fear is the problem. And how do you know you have fear? Because you have negativity. Wherever you feel a negative thought, anxiety, anger, annoyance, you know, aggravated, that kind of thing, that's your ego. And that ego only exists because of your fear. And that fear, if you can find that fear, you'll realize that it's been, it's been manipulating your life for most of your life. And most people can go through it in about 10 minutes. You usually can find a couple of fears that people will have. And then they will look back and they will see it. Oh, yeah, I can see how that fear has made me make all these choices that didn't work out very well. And at that point, they have a little, uh, you've generated a little bit of enthusiasm for getting rid of the fear. So if I were just going to chat with somebody for 10 or 15 minutes, I might do that line. Uh, after we've had this this discussion we've had, and you got listeners, I'd probably tell them, uh, I said, look, uh, the stuff I've been saying here probably sounds like I just made it up. You know, it probably sounds like it's really off the wall and it's a kind of a crazy ideas. But that's because in the amount of time we have, I couldn't derive things from scratch. It is all logical. And if you want to find the logic in it, then get the books. And the books are free on Google Books. Or you can buy them like you can buy any other book, you know, Amazon, bookstores, whatever. But <clears throat> go through the books and, and uh, you will see that it is a logical process. And uh, there are derivations for all of this. And then if I just had to sum up uh, maybe, you know, 10 words or less, what's it all about? I'd say love. It's all about love. It's about what you can give, not what you can get. It's about others. Caring about others, not so much about yourself. It's about cooperation. It's about compassion. That's what I mean by raising the quality of your consciousness. And there's a logical reason why, you know, it is that way. <clears throat> so if you want to change your life from a struggle and misery and pain to one of happiness and, and joy and great relationships, then that's what you have to do. You have to become more caring, more positive, more about others. But you can't do it with your intellect. It's got to be real. You can't act it. I don't mean 
you'll be better off if you act kind. Well, that may be, but what I'm talking about is being kind, not acting kind. There's a difference. So acting isn't it. You got to be it. And that's kind of my two or three minute talk to the people here, I guess. So it kind of depends on who I'm talking to and how much background they have and how much time I've got. But boil it down to one word. It's about love. Yeah. It's about caring. Huh. That's where the good stuff comes from. Yeah. That's what's important. Everything else just isn't all that important. And if it doesn't have anything to do with you growing up and becoming love, then it isn't important. Let it go. See? And this is uh, this is really just scratching the surface of all your research as well. Do you want to point people to some of the deeper YouTube videos and stuff that you have as well? Or I mean, I know there's hundreds yeah. hundreds of them on there, but you do have and you have you have a quite an online uh, you know website there with a lot of you have quite the community there with a ton of people posting in the forums, lots of good conversations yeah. and and essays in there. I mean, this you know you've you've built up well, quite this thing over the over the decades. Yeah. Now, most of the science is in the is in the uh, YouTube videos, because like I say, the books were already published when I decided that I understood quantum mechanics and relativity from a whole new level. Uh, I put some of that back in the books, but just a little. I don't want to scare people away. These books are already full of logic and very fat, and uh, you know I don't want to make them any scarier by making them full of physics, too. So the books are meant for just lay people. Don't feel like you can't read the book. <coughs> Second place to get information is from YouTube. I've got over 500 videos, and probably most of those are like an hour and two hours long. So it's a lot of videos there. It's pretty intimidating. But look for <coughs> the um, – there's a, there's a workshop that I did in Calgary in 2011. That's a really good one. <coughs> did you know that we're in Calgary? <laughs> No, I didn't know you were you were a broadcast yeah. from Calgary. Yeah, I've been to Calgary been. three times. Oh, nice. Yeah, I wish we would have been on, at that 2011 one. That was probably just before I moved is, here, yeah. That's a good one. And th there was an update of that one that I did in uh, Marseille, France, that went over similar material, but uh, just a little better metaphors, a little smoother presentation. And uh, But that one's a little longer because that was Friday night, about four hours, and then all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Uh, and, uh, I think maybe even some of Monday, it was a long, it's a long one, but it's very, uh, it, it's a good, you know, one over the, the world for us explaining everything. And then I've got some short ones. Uh, the last year I've tried to put up a lot of 15, 20 minute ones, half hour ones, even some that are four and five minutes just to hit key points. So you can find some of those in the, in the more, uh, um, recent times. If you want to find out about the experiments and listen to that lecture where I uh, gave all these experiments, that was in, in uh, 2016. It's called MBTLA. <coughs> MBT is in my big toe. MBT hyphen LA as in Los Angeles. And then I think after the LA, there was a 2016. <coughs> but if you go to my YouTube channel and search on MBTLA 2016, you'll get this talk. Now, it did go for two days, but the first day was all about the experiments. The second day was, why should I care? All right. You know, why should I care about a bunch of physics experiments? And then I relate the physics to life and love and caring and, and the rest of your life. You know, so that's the two days. 
Now, on the ones that are called workshops, like the one in Marseille and the and the one that we did in uh, in uh, Calgary, in Canada, Calgary, in Canada, and probably a dozen others, they all have something neat at the end of them that your listeners might like, <clears throat> and that is I do uh, uh, some lecturing and we do some exercises on going out of body, on healing, and on remote viewing. So if you go get those, you can do all those exercises. All the healing, all the everything that we do, you can you can just do them with me, you know, as we do them, do them with the audience, and just say, I'd like to see the health body of that person as they were, you know, in such and such, whatever the date is on it, and you'll get the answers, and you'll be able to check and see whether you diagnosed them right, <clears throat> and you'll be able to get the targets. And at the end, I show pictures of what the RV targets are. So if you just like to practice. And like to get some theory of how does that stuff work? How does remote viewing work? What are the to-dos and the not-to-dos? Same without a body. Same uh, with remote viewing and, and so on. If, you, if you'd like to get that little uh, experiential talk, then any of those workshops will work. And that way you can do all of them. And every one you get a whole new set of, you know, of uh, remote viewing targets and healing and diagnosis targets and so on. So that... If that's the thing that interests you, then I would go there. It's always on the last day. Usually it's a Saturday and a Sunday. And Sunday we uh, do experiential stuff and then usually uh, have a big Q&A afterwards. Nice. But there's no Learn Kung Fu workshop yet. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, a series where you can actually see uh, where there's some, some indexing going on, and that is the things called the Fireside Chats. Fireside chats are put up a guy uh, in Germ by a guy in Germany called Oliver, and if you go to www.matrixvisen, that's M-A-T-R-I-X-W-I-S-S-E-N. Of course, Germans pronounce W's as V's, so it's pronounced matrixvisen. You know, it's a W. Dot D-E. If you go there and get into his part of the stuff that does my work, he's actually because he he hosts those fireside chats he has taken every fireside chat and we're on like number 44 of these each one lasts three hours so there's 44 times three hours worth of material there and every hour every every one of them is broken down by subject and his website so if you go to his website you can go through years worth of fireside chats and just pick out the subject material that you want and it'll tell you which chat and at what time stamp you can go to just get that part of the discussion nice and i'll put all i'll put that link in the show notes as well so and when when do you plan on finishing those quantum mechanic experiments that you're talking well, about Well, like i say we're a year we're putting or? out we're putting out the uh, request for information and that's going to be followed by a grant application a request for grant applications and then we'll do negotiations and then we'll have our physicists on board you know in our lab and our university and we'll start doing the experiments. The experiments shouldn't take a real long time to do. But, of course, you never know. The, the physicists that are the best ones may say, I'm really busy now. I can't get to it for six months. You know, you really don't know. So I'd say that we could have them done over the next year. Uh, I'm hoping to have them done over the next year. But until you get into it and actually deal with real schedules and yeah, people and, yeah. and time and equipment, it's really hard to say. But they're in the near they're in the near future. Okay. We're getting, we're, we're working on them. We finally got the funds to get it done. Money talks everywhere. Yeah. You walk into a university and say, Hey, I got these great exp 
experiments. Would you like to do them for free? Yeah. <laughs> and they show you the door, you see. But uh, if you come in and say, I can pay for them, well, it's a different thing altogether. So yeah. we're, we're hoping to get some good uh, scientists lined up to do these and get started as soon as we can make it happen, which could be six months or more, just depending on, you know, you want the very best people. Those people tend to be the very busiest people. Yeah. And you often have to wait for them. So yeah. it just depends. Well, we'll keep an eye on, on the progress on that for sure. Are you coming to Canada again anytime soon? I'm going to be in Canada next week. Nice. Calgary? Uh, no, I'm going to be in Vancouver. Nice. So close. Right. <laughs> Have to let us know if you come to Calgary. Yeah, we'll for drag sure. You out to the yeah, studio. We'll, yeah, we'll come. Yeah, we'll bring a crowd of people to see you. Yeah, yeah, well, that'd be neat. Yeah, yeah, going to Vancouver. I think it's the really the twenty eighth, I believe. So what's that? Ten ten days or so. Yeah. Are you are you speaking there? Like actually <laughs> lecturing and stuff? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to a, first. I'm going to some kind of of little event on an island. That's off of Vancouver, not Vancouver Island, but Bo um, Bowen Island, Hollyhock. Hollyhock, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going over to Hollyhock for a, a day or two and give some talks there, and then I'm coming back to Vancouver and doing a a, a two day thing there. I think one day we talk about you know theory and practice, and the other day we probably will, or maybe half a day we'll talk about that, and then we'll do some experiential stuff. We'll talk about remote viewing and healing and that kind of thing. So nice. that's hap happening. I believe it's the 28th. All right. I'll put uh, links. Hopefully your cough is cleared up by yeah. them. or we'll yeah. send you some, some so. healing powers. Good. Send them on. I, I can uh, use everything I can get. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sticking with us through that. I really, we really appreciate you uh, coming on and, and uh, you know, powering through your cough there and all that. And, Sharing all your, your research and your work is really, really, really interesting. Hugging fears. Yeah. yeah. Hugging fears, yeah. Give that cough a big old hug, Tom. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. It's yeah. been fun. I, yeah. I enjoy these sessions when they're just informal and you, know, you just chat. That's nice. Right on. So. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks. We'll, uh, Thanks. we'll send you a link when it comes out on audio. Okay. Too. Yeah. Thanks Great. again, Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. So long. Okay. Bye-bye. And that was our chat with Tom Campbell. What'd you think, buddy? Worth the wait? Oh, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were so close to doing that talk, like what, like two years ago when Justin phoned him. <laughs> we had found his phone number somewhere and we gave it to Justin. Justin called him up and he was trying to like go between, because I think it wouldn't accept, uh, his toll free number wouldn't accept international calls. J Justin called him a couple times. Actually. Yeah. yeah and thanks. it still ended up falling thanks, through. Justin, Sorry, yeah. Justin. We tried. No, but you know what I love about him is he's got so much work and he does these conferences over days. Like he'll speak for days on his on his work. And yet he can come on with us and he, he can actually answer our questions, even though they're probably pretty crazy questions and all. But he, he doesn't have a pre like he's very um ad lib and in the moment he doesn't have a pre uh you know how some people come on, they have it's like no matter what you ask him, they've got their shtick, right? He really like addresses the questions as much as he can, and he brings in his experience and all that. And yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. I like it. I like how we can ask about negative entities and stuff like that. And a lot of times, it comes back to like love and fear. And if we, you know, we should we should have like a little board of all the times it comes back to those certain things. Yeah, like yeah that's a good idea. The warm consciousness, or it's yeah, that's all about a good idea. Love, Let's do that. Let's have ding, a check. Ding, like yeah, have a scoreboard. Yeah, like notch in the bedpost kind of thing. Yeah.
No? Jesus Christ. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, love notches. Yeah. What'd you think about the simulation part of it and all that? It was good. And then again, it had that uncanny ability of the theme lately of twisting back to all being about you and your own development. Which seems to be a weird underlying theme of the shows lately. I was expecting to just talk about the simulated universe. It means you got to stop fucking crushing fucking burritos for breakfast. What? You got to be the change instead I'm of start. He was, he was telling bacon egg sandwiches. No, I said Doritos. Oh, Doritos. No, that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And that's still a better move than trying to take on the powers that be. And their crazy leftist propaganda. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was paraphrasing ground, by the way. FYI. I'm still unplugged, so I don't really know. But I know I uh, really enjoyed the show with Tom. I'd like to thank him for coming yeah. on. Yeah. He can uh, come back anytime. Hopefully we could be having him back on in like a year. And he's like, it's a simulation, motherfuckers. Exactly. You 100%. <laughs> have, you, have you heard of the Magic Eye posters at all? You no. Know those Magic Eye posters where you, yeah, you, you look at it and, uh, and then you look back. like you, 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 you I had that a fucking, was happening I think to me I with, had a Magic Eye channel in the Discord for yeah, a while, but it didn't get any traction. No, Grimstake was posting Magic Eyes in there. And it works yeah. on your phone even. Yeah. But it was happening to me with his background there and how the screen was split. That was like, Is that I was going on. For I was unfocusing and all I saw was this, all I saw was a talking face. Like <laughs> and the thing I thought, how appropriate for a guy that's talking about astral traveling and simulation that all I see is this like also, floating, I think because floating the, face. The white hair was really fading into it too. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, yeah there's a second there. I thought I was going to faint. Uh, well, it's a good thing you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, maybe it is shared acid, acid flash. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, big thanks to Tom. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Um, do head over to grimerica.ca slash support. Help us keep going, having these crazy conversations without any uh, advertisers or sponsors or any other crap we got to put you guys through. And help us try and get to that 1%, grimerica.ca slash support. Sign up for monthly, weekly, yearly, or head over to the Patreon if you don't like that or... You know, yeah. then you get access to those extra shows and the black budget stuff, and yeah, everyone feels a little better, and you get uh, some colors in the chat. Yeah, yeah, we can't do without people's support, really. I so mean, you we can don't see like there, to, your to support it, of the Grand America show makes the world a better place. That's right, exactly. From love. our guests, increases himself. the love. It increases and, the love. And what is he called about the consciousness? Of the level Shit. of consciousness? Or, level up. Yeah, level, level up, up bitches. Level. I, love, I love all the, the D&D style. Uh, Things there, leveling up, and an elf in the That's world you of are, Warcraft. You're in D &D the whole time. D and D's D and D's different though. Because even you the do dream, have, like practicing. You the do dream. have this weird, fucked up free will in D and D world. Well, Brody took us through a dream world the other night too. Okay. It was really okay. funny. Okay. Then okay. he now, starts talking it. about it. It was really wrap funny. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Because <laughs> we started talking about about whether you can affect the reality through your dreams. Like if you practice something in your dreams, like if keep D and D out of the show. Well, actually, I'm not allowed to do that. Like Feld said, that's like our. It's a big part of our. You're not allowed to do that. Kick, kick. Oh, yeah. He said you better not bitch about D and D too much because it's probably a big part of your demo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Tangled with a handshake with a signature
some policy papers behind enemy lines. Tension bills, a cell phone rings, a bomb drops in a city street sea of iPod noise. Don't get comfortable. The revolution still got a pulse We need to revive it and make it a reality I've hacked into a politician's password And transfer money to several overseas accounts And as we speak, a supercomputer project is in the works And if it works, we'll use it to point and click our way to sound sort of true Either you're in a route, are you game? Or is the game over? This must be a glitch in the... This must be a glitch in the matrix of revolutionary dreams. It's me versus the machines. Go! Watch out for them laser beams. Climb to the top of the pyramid scheme. Capitol Hill's getting steeper and steeper. Meanwhile, the deck gets deeper and deeper. Don't get comfortable, free thinkers. Cause it's gonna take more than hand and eye coordination on your PlayStation. It's gonna take mind elevation. There must be a glitch in the matrix. There must be a glitch in the matrix. Two and two, but I keep getting five Trying to weave through all the lines From the bad guys in the suits in the neck